This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, team. Lovely to have your company. Welcome to a sparklingly boiling hot edition of the programme. It was so cold yesterday. I promise you, I nearly, I nearly put a vest on and I don't wear vests. I think I might have to go out and buy some sweatshirts. It's getting absolutely freezing. Uh, deaths by liver disease up 40%. That's a nice comforting thought. That's in, just in the past decade. Now they're talking about the pilot of the doomed Malaysian plane. This one isn't going away, I'm afraid. They think he may have committed suicide and thus taken everybody else with him. But they don't know. They have no idea. This is just pure guesswork because nobody was there on board with him. The other thing is, uh, still... The, uh, the survivors, the uh, the passengers there, their, their families are saying, we want proof. That's what they're going to have to do, isn't it? It's LBC. It's nice to have your company. That's what I said yesterday, isn't it? It's no good saying to somebody, uh, well, you th- the plane came down in the sea. And they go, oh, what, you think we're going to walk away from it now, do you? Think again. Think again, Malaysian Airlines. No, if you're going to say that it definitely came down, let's see some proof. Let's see the wreckage. Let's see pictures from a submarine. Let's see something can't just write it off like that, can you? You cannot just write it off. So uh, that's what they were saying yesterday. There were scenes, I think, in, in Beijing. They were marching on the Malaysian embassy. I mean, they want answers, as indeed you would. Somebody goes, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, your mother was on this uh, flight. And, uh, well, now we can confirm the, pl- the flight did actually crash. You go, yeah. You, you think we're going to accept that, do you? No, we're not. I want some proof. I want to see some evidence. Where is the evidence? Turns out, so far, they don't have any evidence. They don't have anything at all. So they're now sending another load of blooming plates. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking either the Malaysian government, the most incompetent nincompoops in the entire blooming world, or, frankly, nobody's got the faintest idea and they're all fumbling in the dark. Because either way, the uh, the relatives of the people who were on that doomed flight, and we're assuming it's doomed, I'm guessing the same as everybody else. We're all guessing, aren't we? I'm thinking, I would want some sort of proof. You know, you say it come down in the ocean and they're sending all these plates. We know how big it is, don't... Blooming well patronises again. They've told us so many times. It's like looking, apparently, for a grain of sand on Mount Olympus or something. Whatever it is. It's like, well, find it. Find it. Don't be so incompetent. They're going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, lots of press conferences. And what do they say at the press conferences? Nothing. Nothing. You know, they must think we're really stupid. Malaysian government must be sitting there thinking, I wish we'd never started flying people. But I tell you now, it's going to... The PR must have been so bad, they must be literally... People must be cancelling flights left, right and centre. I wouldn't want to fly with them. And that's, but that's just me. That's my personal opinion. Luckily, I can make that decision. My money, I decide who I want to spend it with, and it ain't going to be with them anytime soon. Only, I mean, it's not because I don't trust them. It's just because I'm thinking, I don't think they're doing a good PR exercise. They should have done a lot more damage limitation. These people are dead or something. We don't, we're assuming they're dead. At least show a little bit more compassion, as opposed to just holding a blooming press conference and telling us nothing. All they want to know is, where is it? Where is this plane? Prove it to us. Prove it to us. Because I'd never heard of the companies before. Apparently they've been working on this for two weeks and they've worked out. But they haven't found it. So what they've done is they've said, we think it's somewhere along here. I mean, I might as well have said it's up on the moon. And then they go, oh, right. So the Malaysian government, look at this. They go, OK, that'll do. We now send out this, this text message to people. Yes, uh, we now uh, realise that the plane has come down. No, you don't. You were so incompetent, you didn't even know it had gone. Ridiculous. Anyway. Happy things. Think happy thoughts. Think happy thoughts. I was, I was watching BID television yesterday. And, and the reason I wanted to have a look at the, uh, the website for BID is because they, uh, they sell the most amazing amount of tat. 
And when I say tat, it's flogged to you by a bunch of what look like redundant market traders. All right, darling, Anna, have a look at this bit of old rubbish we've got for you here. I mean, what was the thing that he finished up with yesterday? Apart from the fact he was he was flamming on about some tatty old makeup kit, which, I mean, fr- that's why I want to look at their website, because he said, you can buy these bits individually, darling. And uh, and I was I was thinking, I don't think you'd want to. It looks like rubbish. It looks like absolute tat. It really does. But then he said, and uh, coming up later, he said, we've got this. It's a lovely, it's a clock set into a penny farthing bike. And I looked at it and I thought, you are having a laugh, aren't you, mate? Have you got this kind of garbage in your home? So anyway, so I thought I would, I would have a look. And uh, it's beauty week this week, which, of course, is a bit of a joke. I promise you, because they're selling stuff I've never even heard of before. So if we have a look at, um, oh, this is it. This is it. This is the thing here. He was selling yesterday. Uh, it's it's called the Bella Pierre Mineral Shimmer Collection. Well, I'm sorry. I've been in the business a long time, and I've done lots of beauty programmes. Never in my wildest dreams were I ever heard of Bella Pierre. OK? Who is it? Some tatty old company from God knows where. Anyway, so they've got some crackpot guy who apparently is a makeup artist there, you know, doing... Well, you know, of course, this is pure mineral. It's, I'm thinking, you're flogging tat. And it's, and it's on offer... For £39.99. Now, believe it or not, you can buy this rubbish, sorry, this quality item, uh, individually. And if you buy it individually, and the producer can see what, what we're looking at here, that's £122 worth there. Or as I prefer to call it, you know, go to Poundland and get it for a quid. Because what they're selling here, and he, he itemised it out, and I thought, you're either the stupidest man I've ever seen on the television, or you really believe that your customers on bid are that thick that they're not seen through it. So they, so they itemised out. This is, this is uh, where is it, mineral powder on the right-hand side. OK, this is actually down at £20. If you, if you buy it individually, £20, probably worth about a quid. It gets better. You get two eyebrow pencil things. They have them down at £14.99 each quid in Poundland. Probably get a pack of them for a quid. Biggest rip-off going. Then they've got a stack of these colourly things here. I can't tell you what they are. They're down at £40 by themselves. £40. A stack of shimmer powder. And they've given all these names. Cinnabar, Reluctance, Noir, Champagne, Antique, Cocoa. I mean, clear lip gloss and clear nail polish base. And an eyeshadow brush made from natural hair to create a silky soft tapered. The worst thing about this whole pile of rubbish that some poor old soul is buying. You see that little bag there? That little plastic bag that you put in. You can buy that, that separately. And I thought, sorry, it's a piece of plastic. It's a little tiny plastic thing. I thought maybe 20 pence, 30 pence at maximum. They have it down at 20 pounds for that. Small wonder they've overinflated the prices. I sat there this morning thinking, Bella Pierre, what in God's name is that? What is that? I mean, I think I need to go back to Poundland and see if I can assemble the same thing for under three quid. Because I have a sneaking feeling I can. Because when he said it's worth 122 pounds, I thought, you really are a rip-off merchant. You know, that's not worth 122 quid. I put it down, the whole thing, under a fiver. Because when it said thirty nine ninety nine, I thought, this is the joke. And he's going to come back with, bing, it's a penny. No, they kept it at thirty nine ninety nine. Thirty nine ninety nine. I mean, it was the biggest pile of rubbish, the Mineral Shimmer Collection. You know, you can't tart something up when it's crap to begin with. Gerald Ratner discovered that one. But when he put down this bag at nineteen ninety nine, a piece of plastic, a piece of plastic, the sort of thing that they throw away in the markets... And a couple of brushes, you know, £15 each. What a load of old hogwash. It really was rubbish. But that's the trouble with bids, you see. They're selling tat. 
and they're selling tat to people who probably think it's quality. I've never... I mean, sometimes they put aftershaves on there, and you think, I've never even heard of the manufacturer. You know, I've heard of all the big ones. It's like, you know, I've heard of all the, all the main electrical dealers, and I've heard of, you know... There's no brand names, hardly any brand names on this. They're selling rubbish, you know, and then they sell... What did they have a short while ago? Oh, it was, um, it was little lights you put in your garden, which are solar lights. Well, as anybody who's got solar lights will tell you, you couldn't light an ant with a solar light in the garden. They're little tiny bulbs. It's about the size of, a, of, a, of an eighth of an inch, even less. Even le- and they go, oh, these look lovely in the garden. I've seen Richard Jackson flogging them on television. It's garbage. If you want to put lighting in your garden, get an electrician round, put in a PowerPoint and put some lights out there. Little solar lights. They're, I tell you what, more people buy solar lights and throw them away because they're garbage. It's as simple, as simple as that. Don't ever buy them. But mind you, the solar fairy lights are much better. But remember, in the winter, they will not charge up. Has he eaten the lobster? No. Has he cooked it? Yes. Yes, James has gone to meet his maker, ladies. We said a small prayer over it. Well, he did. I mean, la, la, la. He, was, he was a bit frightened of it when he got it home. So he emptied it into the freezer. And so it sat there. And then they took it out and then they put it in hot water. Uh, did it scream? Did, they, did it get... No, you see, did, I, think, I think it depends if there's a hole in the shell or something like that. Anyway, so... Uh, and then they, they cooked it. Did you put it in cold water afterwards? OK. And now it's gone back in the freezer. So what they're going to do is they have it, have it over the weekend. But they have cooked him. Did he make any sudden movements in the in the pot? No. Probably the shock, I should imagine. It's like freezing. <laughs> you didn't hear any f- plaintive little cries like, help me, help me, please. Nothing like that. He didn't write a last will and testament. Didn't leave his shell to anybody. He has to do that bit later on today. He has to cut the shell in half. You have to be quite, quite brave with that. But, I mean, luckily it's it's dead. But you have to clear out bits and things like that. Apparently it's quite messy. So much easier to get Stuart to do it, isn't it? We, we, we've decided, actually, if Stuart at Sandy's and Twickenham does it, then get him to do it. Because he's so much better at doing it. And they do it all the time. He was explaining to me yesterday how it's done. Because I said we went on online yesterday, and the producer upset himself, and I found him sobbing in the corner. And, and because he'd seen that when they plunged the knife in, the legs were still moving. And we worked it out. I think Stuart told me. He said it was still alive. And they killed it that way, because the, when, when they sort of look, looked underneath the tail, it was still flapping with all the... And I thought, oh, we don't, that'll freak him out completely. Take it out of the hot water and it's still moving. No, 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 no. Can't have anything like that. Ridiculous. So anyway, so it's back in the freezer, and they'll have it over the weekend. It's nice, isn't it? I got a day off today. I did Lee Boardman yesterday for In Conversation. Re- Sorry? Lee Mead. Who's Lee Boardman? Oh, sorry, Lee Boardman. I was watching him on the television earlier. Anyway, I was losing track of it. But there was, there was something I was going to tell you. Um, because you know that we've got this big reunion boy band tour coming up with five, with the ghastly Richie Neville, a creep of the worst order. He was creepy when he was in the boy band to start with. He's even creepier this time round. But they've had a bit of an upset. A little bit of an upset. And I'll tell you what it is in a moment. It's uh, 14 minutes past four. It's that day, isn't it? It's that day, the historic debate on the EU this evening. It's seven o'clock. Special reports. And Nick... Nick Ferrari there, finding out exactly uh, what both leaders need to do to come out on top. You'll hear it live on LBC. Looking at the papers for Nick today's Adam Bolton, political editor of Sky News. Uh, Tom Swarbrick is uh, is in Paris. Uh, we've got another reporter in uh, Sheffield, which is Clegg's constituency, and in Arun. Is it Arun? 
Arun, which is uh, Farage's main headquarters. That's got two UKIP supporters plus a floater. And they're talking to Quentin Letts, Kelvin McKenzie, uh, all sorts of different people. That's with Nick Ferrari this morning. In fact, actually, it's about the busiest programme I've ever seen them doing. They've got more guests in, including Andrew Pierce, whose weekend breakfast show is on Saturday morning. Because on Sunday you get Kay Burley and, and Stig. Uh, so anyway, so here is Five, the most dreary boy band of all times. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, nobody was interested in them when they, when they disbanded. Nobody's interested in them now. But uh, they have revealed that uh, Ab's love, real name Richard Breen, this is the bloke who went from being white to being Jamaican, magically. We couldn't quite work out. All of a sudden they put it like this and sort of do it. And, and I began watching him thinking... He went to a stage school. He's a little, he's a little prissy boy. And all of a sudden, he started speaking patois. It's most, it's most odd. When you watch him, you look at him, you think, are you all right? It's not normally. Anyway, the, uh, the singer, laughingly called, has dropped out of the planned live dates in October due to unspecified personal reasons. So now, you've got three people. So, so the, there's not five of them anymore. There's now three. So you've got Scott Robinson, Richie Neville and Sean Conlon. I don't think Sean's long for this world either. He didn't look as though he was particularly happy with the way things were going. And, um, and they say um, he's, uh, he's sort of, he isn't leaving the band, but he can't make the big reunion tour. But he's confirmed for all the other five shows coming up. I shouldn't imagine they could sell out a scout hut, to be honest with you. So uh, they will undertake the live dates without him. Well, that's a bit stupid, isn't it? What if they'll be sounding the same? So in which, which case, will it be Memorex? And the answer is probably yes. Because when they were all there, because they, they don't have Jason Brown. He didn't want to be anything to do with it. Whereas Richie Neville turns out to be the biggest irritant of all time. And you think to yourself, now there's somebody who's annoying. Mind you, not half as annoying as over in Essex. Where little Billy Fahir's, this is the two substandard Fahir's sisters. One of whom might or might not have ever been out with Joey Essex. But anyway, they're having what is the ultimate Chav event now. A baby shower. A baby shower. It's lovely, isn't it? Little, little Billy Fahir's is up the duff with a boyfriend... Uh, luckily, she's uh, she's engaged. Cool. That was a bit quick, wasn't it? Couldn't arrange the wedding in time, but uh, that's the Essex way. No, it's not. That's just the way the old chavs do it down there. And so her and her sister Sam attended her baby shower. She hasn't actually had it yet. You have this shower. It is the ultimate chav event, and they all pretend that people are interested. Nobody's interested in this dreary twosome. They should have been dropped from the programme ages ago. And so she was wearing some, some simple gold jewellery to go with her simple brain, I should imagine. And uh, she's there. I don't know why they get so excited. A woman gets pregnant. You know, woman up the duff with, uh, with fiancé. She might or might not be with in, in about a year's time. And uh, it's a bit sad, really, because they're, they're, they're both simpletons. And that's a picture of, uh, of Billy for here's. And here's sort of bits. You've got Sam and Billy. And uh, one of them's got the phone shoved to her ear, presumably pretending she's got friends. Which, of course, is always laughable, because they don't appear to have any friends in the series at all. They just sit there slagging everybody off. With the uh, with that ghastly fern creature, who's uh, who's got such a filthy mouth, you couldn't take her anywhere. I'm afraid she's far too common. Uh, Martin has just watched the first episode of Educating Joey Essex on IV2. He says, "I've come to the conclusion Joey Essex is too much of a simpleton to be educated." Oh, I think everybody's realised that. Although, have you noticed? I tell I I I, have, I I only say this. I only say this because it, it's certainly never been talked about before. But apparently, Joey Essex, because he's now famous is now talking about bereavement for children. His mother committed suicide, you remember, when he was 10, which was, I think, 13 years ago. And apparently it still affects him now, even though at 10 you wouldn't have the faintest idea what was going on. And he was brought up by his uh, stepfather, I think, and his nan, or whatever it was. Anyway, now they've obviously decided, listen, you've got to get involved with things. Can you get involved with bereavement? 
Yep, so he's getting involved with bereavement. We had uh, Jeff Brazier doing it, didn't we? The other day, Jeff Brazier, talk- Jeff Brazier talking about, you know, on the anniversary of Jade Goody's death every year, uh, we always let off balloons and that kind of thing. Well, if I've read the story once, I've read it about 500 times. And yet, what did we get? We got Jack Tweed's mother going up to the grave with a photographer. I mean, how much lower can you get, I'm afraid? Uh, Howard says, uh, on the subject of, uh, of James the Lobster, R.I.P. says, sob. Well, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he has been, he has been extinguished. A light has gone out in the fridge. Yes, he's sitting in darkness, cooked through. He ta- he only took about ten minutes to cook through, which actually is really fast when you think about it. But then you think shellfish anyway. That cooks really quickly. You do stuff in a wok, you know, a couple of minutes, and you can you can do prawns and mussels and stuff like that. So, um, so James the lobster is currently in a in a in a sort of a suspended animated state. He's in there. He's a little bit like sort of a, a film, which I think, I can't remember who it starred now, but it's where these kids in this sort of barn come across a freezer and there's somebody in it. I can't remember what the blooming film was called now. I'm sure it was terribly interesting at the time, but uh, not for me. Uh, Matt says, I've just left the missus in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Fantastic, isn't it? You do try and lose them over the years and they unfortunately still find their way back. My, my, my parents were clever. When I used to go up to school, my parents moved. So when you came home, you know, the place would be locked up and be no lights on. I'd be going, Mum, Dad. And the neighbours would look over the fence and go, they, they, they've moved, son. They've got... And I'd go, well, they didn't tell where they were going. She went, no. And then she'd go inside and shut the door and I'd be left standing there. You know, a little bit of a waif and stray. But anyway, he says, I'm a recent convert to your podcast, so send her my love as she suns herself by the pool. Don't think you should drop it on a postcard. Wouldn't that not be easier? I mean, it's, you know, how many of them are you in your relationship? Is it three of you or four of you? He says, I've got the consolation of picking up my son from school. And uh, I'm going to see I Can't Sing next week. Actually, we've got, to, we've got to think about that a bit later. A lot of people have been to see it. Can't review it yet because it's still in preview. So that's why I can't uh, tell you. I mean, I, I can say that I know some people who've seen it and they absolutely love it. And, and I spoke to somebody the other day who had been to see it and they were mixed. They were mixed up. They said there's some bits which are very, very good and inspired. But they said they, you didn't come out singing the songs. Which, of course, is, you know, that, that used to be the old joke in the business, wasn't it? You come out humming the set. You don't come out singing the songs. So we'll wait and see. We shall reserve judgment. Uh, poor old Louisa. Oh, dear. Louisa Zisman. I thought, I'm sorry, Don. I'm ever so sorry, but I thought your career was finished. I had no idea you were still dragging it out for as long as you have done. Anyway, she's driving her new uh, car, her Ferrari. Bet your insurance is through the roof, but don't worry. Your career won't last that much longer. Anyway, she's got an expired tax disc on it. Lawbreaker. Lawbreaker. Anyway, in an interview to go with her raunchy shoot for Zoo magazine, I wouldn't mind, but she's got a face like a squashed pineapple. She declares I'd be bang up for a mud wrestling shoot with Helen Flanagan. Oh, dear, honestly. You know, how much lower can you sink, Louisa? But I suppose if you're not really known as a businesswoman, you know, you've got to go for the, for the old tarty stuff, haven't you? And uh, you're doing the old tarty stuff, love. Well done you. Well done you. I bet your parents must be absolutely bloody thrilled with the way you turned out. Uh, what have we got a picture here? We've got a picture of... Oh, actually, somebody got into trouble the other day. James Arthur. Little James Arthur, still trying to get a singing career going. It's not happening. Not happening, mate. No radio stations are playing your songs. Why? Because you're not very pleasant. He was slagging off his PR team the other day. Slagging him off for, for not selling him properly. And he mentioned Paul Potts. He said, go, go and look after Paul Potts. Well, of course, they share the same PR team. And Paul Potts quite rightly wrote back to him and said, I think, on, on Twitter, don't, don't diss these people because, uh, you know, one day you're going to need them really badly because his, his career is just not going to take off. You're never going to see 
any sort of pop programmes on the television, James Arthur on, you're just really not. I mean, apart from the bloke, the bloke is ugly as sin. Who wants to buy any of his rubbish? Dawn likes him, I know. Oh, you can't beat a good cup of tea in the morning, can you? Good cup of tea in the morning, it's very nice, isn't it? I was going to bring you the weather, but I've decided no. I'm not bringing you the weather at all today. I don't care. Um, you liked having Lee Mead in, says Norin. I'll tell you what I noticed about Lee Mead. And he came in with, with, with Debbie, who's looking after the uh, the PR. And she's a fan of the programme. And so she was going, where, where's your... Sh-? Our studio's in here. We look out over where Lee is going to be playing on a Sunday. He's got some dates. He's got ten dates booked in. And one is the Garrick Theatre on a Sunday. He's a lot slimmer than you than you imagine. Either he's lost an awful lot of weight, or he's, he's the, or television makes him look bigger, because he's really slight. He's really slight, but he was ever so nice. He tweeted afterwards and said, I could have stayed for, sort of stayed till lunch. I thought, well, had you asked, we could have gone for lunch, actually. It would have been easier. He's filming Casualty at the moment, so he's up in, in Cardiff. Uh, I don't suppose you'll catch the big debate between Clegg and Farage. No, I have it uh, piped to me, which is good. I uh, hope you're feeling well after the extra show on Sunday. Well, if you followed my Twitter this morning, it's another big 7.5 on the blood sugar reading, which is very good. Producer said to me, he started inquiring about it, but he's now started worrying about it as well. He said, uh, what did you have to eat last night? I said, I had chicken curry with peas last night. Extra peas and broccoli. And so I had two sandwiches. Yesterday I had one in the morning, then I got one at the station, and I ate that on the train going home. Uh, which was quite nice. I didn't eat anything else. And then I had the, the chicken curry uh, with some peas and some, some rice. And that was it. So I was quite pleased about that. But I slept so badly last night because it was so bitterly cold, I put the heating on. And it's, it's not that I'm mean, but I tend... I mean, it's, it's got to be quite cold for me to put the heating on. And the reason being, not, not because it cost me money. I'm not, I'm, I'm not mean or anything like that. I just sort of think, I can't be bothered. You know what, I just can't be bothered to put the heating on. It's not, you know, it's not really worth it. As my mother used to say, if you're cold, put a jumper on. But it's just that I like to walk around the house in shorts. Okay, and uh, sometimes topless. And uh, take that thought out of your mind straight away, because it's not a a pleasant thought. Although the weight's falling off me at the moment. The weight's falling off me. And so I put the heating on, and I woke up about four times in the night. You know, and I remember thinking, God, it's hot. It's not normally this hot. Normally you sort of go, like that, you get a small cloud above the bed. Sometimes it rains. And, uh, and so I thought, I better turn the heating off. So I went out there and I turned the heating off and I felt a bit better about life. And watched a great programme, as uh, Soren will probably tell you, uh, about the Somme and the tunnels that we dug underneath the Somme that went for miles, miles. Men went down there and what they did, they, they wanted to find what they called moles, People who are specifically good at digging tunnels. Where did they go to? Welsh Wales. They went to Wales and they found miners. They deliberately recruited miners who'd been turned down for the army because they were either too old or they weren't fit enough. But they wanted people who could do tunnel mining. And they found these miners and they took them back there. And they had to mine uh, when it was absolutely dead silent. There was no noise at all. And these tunnels are still there. And they took the cameras down. It was fantastic. And what we did was we, we had tunnels that went underneath. And then we, uh, we blew it up so the Germans didn't know. But unfortunately, on the Somme, on the first day that we were due to blow up the Germans, they found out about the tunnels. How did they find out? I'll tell you in a moment. Coming up, the subject they want to be on the teaching Agenda of the school curriculum. It's a little bit controversial. LBC News Time. It's 4.30. So there we are in the Somme, and they're doing this documentary on the tunnels that were dug underneath it to blow the Germans up. 
So you've got all the guys out there. Now, you know by now, of course, a lot of the people who were fighting out there had lied to get there. They were underage, many of them. 15-year-olds. They looked taller. But they had to find people to dig the tunnels, the moles. And so they go to Welsh Wales and they go there and they recruit miners. People have been turned down for joining the army. And they went out there and they dug these tunnels. And so you go down 10 metres. Okay, you're going down 30 feet. There's a shaft that goes down, which they dug out. And then they start tunnelling. And as they go along the tunnel, and because they run for miles, every so often there'll be a little place where they can... these, These are big enough to stand up in these tunnels. And as they go along, taking the bit out, bit by, they advanced, you won't believe this, nine inches at a time. Nine inches at a time. All of a sudden, James is quite interested. Because that's, you know, that's, that's, quite, that's quite a lot. So it was nine inches each day getting towards the Germans. And so they take it out, and they shore it all up, and that's what they do. And so they end up building these tunnels. And then every so often, they set a mine. And I mean... A big mine. The whole idea was, on the Somme, on one particular day, and it was going to be at 7.30 in the morning, they were going to set off this 20,000-tonne bomb. Whatever it was, it was was enough dynamite to take out the entire country, practically. So they put it there, and what they do is they then sandbag it all up with all bags of chalk, because the ground was very chalky. And at 7.30 in the morning, they were going to detonate it, which would then expose the German lines, and then all our soldiers could stream through. What they hadn't banked on, what they hadn't banked on, was the fact that the Germans had a piece of equipment. It was underground, and it was equipment that monitored radio signals. And what they didn't know was that uh, one of our commanders, down in this tunnel had picked up the field telephone and done a message going, good luck tomorrow morning. That was all he said, but it was enough for the Germans to then go, oh my God, it's tomorrow morning. So what the Germans did, they removed all their soldiers from that particular area and they put them in their trenches, but they were underground. So they were covered over. The idea being that when the bomb went off, And it was a huge... I mean, the pit is still there now. It is this huge... I mean, it looks like a valley. It took it all out. But the Germans, of course, were quite safe. So all they did, after the thing had gone off, they then came up, they set up their machine guns, and they mowed down all the British Tommies. 6,000 dropped like a field of corn as the Germans opened fire on the first day. Another 5,000 got hit by another way. The Germans just sat there with their machine guns and picked them all off. And so there there were bodies everywhere. Bodies everywhere. There were even soldiers caught in the tunnels. And there are still two soldiers down there, a 100 years on plus. They're still down there. And they've done a memorial to them. But they're bricked up in the tunnel which became their grave. when they Because if you were caught by an explosion, you were in these tunnels. They were down, and one of them, 30 metres down. You work it out for yourself. You're in a tunnel. It's just wide enough for two people probably to get past each other. Fascinating programme. I sat there thinking, I've got to get in the shower in a minute. I'll, get, I'll just watch another two minutes. Just watch another two minutes. It was the nine inches that fascinated me. That was, you know, I was just thinking. And they had to do it so quietly. There was no talking. They had a, a corporal down there, a sergeant, to make sure that nobody said anything. It was shh. Because the Germans could listen. We had a listening device. It was like a tube. And you just put it into the wall and you listened. And there was one that was like a stethoscope. Or failing that, if you wanted to hear if the Germans were digging tunnels, they had a a biscuit tin which they filled with water. And if all of a sudden you got vibrations on the top of the water, that meant that 
there was some other action going on in the earth. I mean, it was, all, it was fairly basic, simple stuff. But it was, unfortunately, it was that field telephone call that kind of sealed their, these, uh, these boys' fates, which wasn't so good. It's a picture of the paper today of somebody immensely stupid. Somebody immensely... He's a Lib Dem councillor. His name is Ajit Atwal. Ajit Atwell is a serving JP in Derby. He's got to be the thickest bloke under the sun. He's pictured here holding an AK-47 assault rifle. He's that stupid. He's pictured holding it as if he's some freedom fighter. And uh, he posted this snap on Twitter, proving he really is as dim as he looks. And he's a JP. I mean, thank God you're not in Derby. It was taken in September on a trip to India, he says. He called the picture a lark. A lark! Oh, Mr Atwell, we're absolutely sewing our sides up, mate. He says the gun belonged to a guard of a political relative. He added, I'm sorry if it caused distress. No, no, no. It's just made you out to be the idiot which we thought you were. One horrified local in Derby said it's unbelievable. Well, I have to be honest, I think it's fairly unbelievable myself. And this is a Lib Dem councillor and a JP. It's a lark. Oh, well, how funny. How funny, Mr Atwell. If you were down here, mate, they'd be uh, they'd be really laughing. Not. 84850, Steve, at Uh Somebody's a fan of James Arthur. He's a great musician. He's <laughs> a prat. It's an absolute prat, I'm afraid. Always was. Always was, always will be. Nasty little piece of work. Homophobe, everything. Uh, prepping lobsters. Preparing lobster is, a, is a, a messy and somewhat sad affair. No, no, he's managed really well. He's, uh, it's all been done. He hasn't actually split it in half yet, but he's, he's getting close. <laughs> he's actually getting close to it. It's, 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 it's back in the freezer, but it is cooked. Because after you've cooked it for ten minutes, then you plunge it into cold water. And that, I think, sets the meat and he's, he's very excited. They're going to be having it, apparently. He's going to do lobster thermidor. They're obviously paying them far too much money round here. The blooming producer's eating better than I am. What did I have? A cheap chicken curry, two for four pounds, Marks and Spencer's. What do you have? Lobster, ladies and gentlemen. Lobster. Unbelievable, isn't it? God, dear. I need to go there and start start negotiating my contract again, I think. Try so we can get some more money. <laughs> Bid TV. They were saying that JPD Rome, Jean-Paul Dupont... Produces aftershave and fragrances for a lot of other brands. He says, but I bought the above item foolishly from Bid TV a couple of months ago. I've never sniffed anything so awful in my life. It, it makes me sneeze. Well, actually, you can be allergic to aftershaves. A friend of mine was very allergic to Isimayaki. Isimayaki, but it's quite, quite heady. Quite heady. The funny thing was, this particular person bought me a bottle of Isimayaki. So I put it on and went, oh, God, it affects me really badly. So there you go. <laughs> um, um... Uh, Sally Jacks is revealing... Oh, she's still wearing those low-cut dresses. I mean, really, I don't know why she doesn't get two wheelbarrows and pop them in there. It'd be easier on the programme, wouldn't it? She's so old. Well, she's not... She looks so old, but she's quite young, apparently. Obviously, Bid TV aren't using the uh, the proper cameras at the moment. <laughs> perhaps they've just... Perhaps deliberately, they, 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 they pick cameras that sort of make her look a little bit ancient. Uh, Dawn has been to see I Can't Sing again on Monday night. She's... This is twice... This is twice. I didn't notice many changes since the last trip, other than a joke being added. A couple of bits look like they've been jazzed up. The opening night is tonight, Wednesday. It's all going on tonight, isn't it? There's the Farage debate. There's I Can't Sing. There's other things going on. So it's going to be quite busy, actually. Uh, We have got a date for In Conversation with uh, Adam Ant. Yes, he's on, I think, I can't remember what the date was that they've given him to me on the 7th of April, I think, or something like that. Uh... So he's, he's done uh, the Sunday Times. He was on this morning a few weeks ago and on Alan Titchmarsh's shows uh, last Friday. 
last Friday. On Wednesday night, which is tonight, I'm off to the Royal Albert Hall for a Paolo Nettini gig. Uh, this is the Teenage Cancer Trust. And uh, Wilco Johnson and Roger Daltrey should be very interesting. Also, Leanne Le Havas. I don't know who Leanne Le Havas is. Should I know? Should I know Leanne Le Havas? Soul. Is it Soul? All oh, right. Producer knows. But then he eats lobster. Uh, 84850, uh Michael uh, also has uh, Vic Toza. Yes. Is, is, is that a full one or an empty one? He says, uh, I've had a shot of Vic Toza. You don't need a lot of it. You know, it's it's not point six I'm doing in the morning, and that is enough. When I had the picture taken the other day of me with uh, Lee, I don't look as fat as I did a few weeks ago. So obviously the weight's falling off. I mean, it's a bit of a miracle as far as I'm concerned. Also, what the producer said, of course, you're not eating as much, so that is the clue. You're not eating as much, and of course, the good thing is now I can nearly see my feet. How cool is that? I'm very happy. In fact, actually, I couldn't be happier this week. It's fun. We got we got paid. I'm having a little a little soiree this week uh, with some people from work. We've only invited a, a couple of hundred. Uh, so we're having a little soiree, a little get-together, a little sort of drinky-poos thing. So, hope, so if you see a lot of old reprobates around, uh, around Global one night this week, you'll know that uh, the, uh, the Steve Allen load are out there. I think, there's a, I think we've invited about 150 people, 160 people. So I'm hoping they're not all going to come. I put money behind the bar, but to be honest with you, when you've got that many people going, it depends what they're going to be drinking, doesn't it? You start worrying about it, a bit of food. So, yeah, yes, let's just have a bottle of vintage champagne. Let's see whether Steve's uh, behind the bar money can sort that one out. Probably could, actually. Probably could. Because I think you're only that age once, aren't you, Horty? Um, a bit of a bit of a tragedy for people in Asda the other day. And the tragedy was that a woman killed herself. She goes into Asda, and uh, she came in with a with a Polish friend. Uh, this is in Shipley at 8.37 in the morning. She goes in there. She's wearing um, traditional clothing in her late 30s. She picks a, nice, a knife off, off the shelf and kills herself. She cuts her throat. And you think, why did she do it in Asda? Why didn't she just stay at home and do it at home? What was the point of going out there, upsetting all the... I mean, terrified shoppers watched the woman walk down the hardware aisle unwrapping a large blade... And then she plunged it into her neck. There's no logical reason. Mental illness, I'm assuming. I mean, if you don't do that. Uh, one of the store's first aiders was trying to give CPR. A young man who works this saw the woman stabbing herself in the throat. And uh, dreadful. I mean, you know, apparently the Polish woman's a, a regular customer. She was driven off by the police. Why does somebody ever want to do things like that? I mean, I just don't... I don't know why, you know, the balance of your mind would have to be disturbed. You go in there... It's dreadful, isn't it, really, that people would do it? Here she is, the woman who sparked fury with a boob job. That's the deeply unattractive Josie Cunningham. Do you remember she had this boob job because she said oh, it had ruined her life, not having big boobs? So she had them, and then she decided she didn't want them anymore. And the NHS basically told her to off. You know, I mean, an ugly bird at the best of times, poor sod. It's not her fault. She wanted to be a glamour model. Best she made it to was prostitute. And she's pregnant, but she doesn't know who with. So class act all the way through. And, um... She already has two, two children, and so now she's two months pregnant again. She says, I'm ashamed to say I don't know who the dad is. Oh, darling, listen, once low rent, always low rent. You know, one, once a tart, always a tart. Unfortunately, tart with big boobs. Doesn't kind of work, does it, really? Perhaps unprotected sex. I'm surprised you got away lightly with just pregnancy. Kevin the Milkman says the producer did not have any old lobster. He had James the Lobster. Oh, exactly. I mean, James was famous. 
People tweeting about James and stuff like that. I was going to print a picture of him the other day. We do have a picture of him in the pot. But I thought it would perhaps be too insensitive for people who, who don't like to see animals in this way. But, I mean, he, he didn't suffer. He didn't suffer. We, we, we made him sign an affidavit at the end uh, saying that in no way did he ever suffer or anything like that. So, um, so he's all right. But he will be eaten over this weekend as Lobster Thermidor. And I cannot remember... What lobster thermidor is? Is that with the, with the cheese on? And do you put potato on it as well? Or is that just cheese, is it? Must be something more than cheese. Can't be just cheese. It sounds very dull. Sauce as well. All oh, right. What, what, what? Sorry? Par- Parmes- Parmesan. Oh, Parmesan. So posh running. Honestly, the producers they give me, I don't know where they were educated, but it certainly wasn't the secondary modern that I was. Parmesan cheese. Shaken, not stirred. Actually, somebody did that the other day on the set. Craig Ferguson. I think his name's Craig Ferguson. Who's, um... He does one of these roulette wheel programmes on the television. <laughs> and he's a bit like, what? Ever go on a wheel? It's bit, most of them are like that, actually. Apart from Lee Baldman. He's very, very cultured. Minus six degrees in Glasgow, says uh, Junior. Did you enjoy the curry last night? I did, actually. I did. Well, two for four pounds. You can't make it for that price. Can't make it for that price. And also, I don't want to deprive people of a job. So if I buy ready meals, I like to think to myself. And I bought some extra... Some extra broccoli and peas in a thing. Took out the herb butter in there, because we don't want to do butter, do we? And uh, added that to it and put a bit of rice in there. And, <laughs> called on bleu, ladies and gentlemen. Don't quite beat, you know, Parmesan cheese on, uh, on lobster. Coming up, it's been revealed a third of all our meals are... Find out after this. Uh, from LBC, it's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. 13 minutes to five. Poor old Kate says, you really only 40. You sound so much older. You sound like you've been in prison, girl, you do. You write like somebody who's been in prison. You're a bit of an old lag, are you? 59, never seen the sound of music. Liar. Liar. There's some bloke earlier on. Did you hear that one who spoke to Ollie? Who said, I, I, ca- I can't remember if I've, if I've seen the sound of music. I thought, and, he said, and I'm not that old. I thought, well, you sound decrepit. Of course you'd remember if you'd seen the sound. You could understand it if somebody says, have you seen the shop around the corner? And you go, oh, what was that? And somebody explains it to you. But if somebody says, have you seen the sound of music? If you have to think about it, you're quite clearly on medication. And then he had the audacity to ask at the end, proving that he really was as crackpot as I thought he was, if there's any sort of courses you can go on to keep up to date with things. I thought, it's called a newspaper. The poor old Kate, they probably didn't have any of those in the library, did they, in the nick? I wonder what you were in for. It'll be something disgusting, I can imagine. Daily Express this morning... In Express this morning. Picture of mum-to-be Kimberly breaking her wrist in a fall. This is Kimberly Walsh. You like Kimberly Walsh? And uh, here's a field of gold. And it's a display of daffodils made possible by a wealthy investment banker's bequest. He left 2.3 million Keith Owen, his dying wish that his beloved town should get a timely splash of colour. So they planted 178,000 bulbs. But, of course, they don't need to worry, because this time next year, there'll be about 280,000 bulbs out there, because they multiply. And so they were all done. And it's like, I love seeing daffodils everywhere. But, unfortunately, what the council have done here, they've done them in swathes, whereas they should do them randomly. It's far more exciting. But, anyway, he, uh, he sort of fell in love with this Sidmouth. And they've spent 500,000 on youth projects. He didn't leave it all. For the bulbs, because once you bought the bulbs, that's it. You you just leave them there, and they will they will just keep on going. So that's quite nice, isn't it? I love seeing bulbs everywhere. I like the people who chuck them out of car windows. I love the people who chuck bulbs out of car windows. They do them in little packets with earth in, and they throw them out the car windows. So along the side of the motorway, you sometimes get swathes of flowers. You think, where the dickens did they come from? 
Where the dickens did they come from? Who's this? David Lammy. Not the biggest fan of David Lammy. He's a backbencher. I always remember David Lammy, and I'm sure it must be on YouTube, falling flat on his fat face. He used to go out with Jun Thampong, and then she disappeared, and he practically disappeared as well. He turned up on Celebrity Mastermind. His favourite subject, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it, was Bob Marley. He knew nothing about Bob Marley. Absolutely not a thing. He quite clearly just listened to a couple of records like Jamming and Trenchtown Rock, and that was about it, and thought that that was the basis. He was so stupid on it, it was just ridiculous. I remember sitting there thinking, what are you doing on here? You're not the brightest penny in the box, I'm afraid. You really aren't. You shouldn't be on there. Not so good. Pat in Halston received the lovely prize yesterday. Oh, I'll tell you what I've got in a moment for you. I've got a nice one. Nice, nice prize in the gadget giveaway for today. So I'll tell you what that is in a moment. Let's check some more of your texts and emails. I'm going to have to give you the weather, I can tell. I don't really want to give you the weather for today because it's, uh, it's a day off for me. I've got an interview to do tomorrow with Tom Conte. And uh, then we've got this party with, uh, as I say, 150 of my closest friends. <laughs> the worst thing is, you know when you sit down and you start drawing up a list of people you work with, and you suddenly realise how many people you work with and have worked with. Over the years, and it's it was a va- I mean, we could have just kept going forever and ever. And in the end, we had to put a, had to put a limit on it because the the place only holds ninety. So I'm hoping it'll be a bit of a, a transient group. They'll sort of come in, have a drink, and then wander out, and then wander back in later. Because if everybody turns up at the same time, it's going to be a night standing on each other's shoulders. It'll be interesting. We'll be fighting for the food when it comes out. We've got some nice food. I've ordered some nice food. We've got little mini beef Wellingtons and little things like that. Eat, eat before you go, Sam. I don't want you sort of pocketing the stuff and taking it home. I know what you like. Take, we'll take it home to freeze it. You know, people do that, don't they, when they get party food. So uh, it is funny. We sit down and we were going through, and Sam helped me do the the list. We were sort of going through. He said, "Have you invited?" Seth? No, haven't invited. Seth. Let's do that. This put, and it just goes on forever and a day. It's, it's good fun. It's quite good fun. Anyway, should we do the competition? Let me tell you what I've got on offer for you today. Because yesterday, Peter Kennard from Kent, love Kent, Garden of England, he identified Will Young first appeared on Pop Idol, got himself the Android tablet. I know he'd done something prior to that, but it was the thing that made him famous. So, the fabulous Android tablet. Today, an Asus VivoBook laptop. This is the one that's got touch screen. And we know you like touchscreen. Packs loads of fantastic features. And it could be yours by 6.30 this morning, which is when the competition finishes. So one lucky listener will win the Asus VivoBook X200 touchscreen laptop today by answering this question correctly. Are you ready? On which reality TV show did Jade Goody first appear? On which reality TV show did Jade Goody first appear? Text the word gadget... Follow by your answer and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. It's a nice prize. That's always, uh, that's, that's a nice, I know people like that a lot actually. So it's the Asus VivoBook X200 touchscreen laptop. On which reality TV show did Jade Goody first appear? Google it first. Just go and have a check and see if you like the look of it. I think you will. It's touchscreen that sells it, doesn't it? I have to be honest. Given the choice of touchscreen or not touchscreen, touchscreen wins hands down. So, good luck. Good luck to everybody. I'll mention that a little bit later on. The other story that's running in the papers today, uh, the missing airliner. Uh, they say that it went off course. It seemed to go off course quite a lot, actually. And then they say it plummeted to around 23,000 feet before it ran out of fuel and then plunged into the Indian Ocean. 
1,500 miles off the coast of Western Australia. They've established that it had uh, a maximum service ceiling of 43,000 feet at around the attitude where the atmosphere thins. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it wouldn't take long for uh, hypoxia. That's the, the lack of oxygen to set in, incapacitating anyone who had not taken precautions. Oxygen masks would have dropped down automatically, but I don't know whether you're aware, but there's not enough air in a plane for everybody. There's only a certain amount of oxygen. It only lasts for a few minutes. only lasts for a few minutes, the oxygen. So now... What they're doing is they're trying to work out why the pilot was flying so high. Was it a deliberate <coughs> act? Was it a suicide? And he took everybody else with him. And the next thing we want to know is where is it? That's what we want to know. What we want to know is we want to know where the black box is. We want to find it because they've only got about a couple of weeks before this thing turns itself off. It's ridiculous. You'd think, you'd think nowadays, you know, pacemakers have an average life of about 10 years, don't they? Couldn't they make a black box with a battery that lasts a bit longer? Surely somebody could develop a battery that lasts a bit longer than two weeks. That's just absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. 84850, Steve, at uk. Len says, poor old James the Lobster and his demise. Does it make the fridge a mortuary or a chapel of rest? I don't know. He said, because uh, I said there's nobody to talk to in there. And he said there's some prawns in there. I said, he can't, you won't find a lobster talking to prawns. It's like a member of the royal family talking to somebody from Benefit Street. That's not going to be happening anytime soon, is it? And Len says, proving what I've said all the time, I was in Brentwood yesterday and nobody there anything like in Towie. However, a few shops named Amy Childs looking very cheapish. Yeah, well, kind of sums her up, doesn't it? They've all got little shops in Brentwood. But if you go to Brentwood, I promise you, you will see nobody who looks anything like the old tarts who parade around in all their makeup on the Only Way is Essex. You only find those on the Only Way is Essex. You know, the, the, the people of Essex just go about, and the people of Brentwood in particular, go around their normal business. Any of these old tarts come on the scene, everybody goes and hides in doorways. It's a bit like the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. You know, they all go inside the doors and shall peer out through the... Oh, God, they're out on the street. That decrepit old Chloe Sims. Oh, look, Frankie. No work, Essex. You know, Joey. Oh, my God, still as dim as a plank. You know, all the Fahir sisters. You know, that's all they do. They trowel on the makeup. Nobody looks like that. Only at night time, when Brentwood goes a little bit dark, do the old dogs creep out of the dog's home, and there they all are. Really bad, I'm afraid. Really bad. Um... 1,600 jobs going at the Royal Mail. Hope he's not my postman. Like my postman. My postman likes me. 1,600 jobs. They're apparently going in management. How many management people have they got? How many people in management have they got? 1,600. It's not as though we didn't, we didn't expect it, did we? But I've got the story to come of the two evil care workers. You would think, would you not, if they had a modicum of intelligence, and quite clearly they haven't, that if you're working in a care home, there is a chance... There are hidden cameras there. And the cameras are there to protect the patients. Because when you get this pair of evil old so-and-sos, like we're going to name today, and one of them should know, should know better, in fact, they should both know better, evil, disgusting women. I'll tell you what their names are after the news. Uh, they've been filmed hitting a victim. They're now facing jail. I hope that when they get into jail, somebody starts smacking them around a little bit. Because, frankly, what they did beggars belief. Oh, and children's pocket money. I, I was trying to think the other... Well, I do remember. I remember how much pocket money I got. But as I got a little bit older, you had to do a chore for it. When I was at school, it was 12.5p a week. Two and sixpence a week. Because I gave you a two and sixpence, so you saw a half a crown. And you could get a lot with half a crown. You could get four shrimps for an old penny. 
bearing in mind, you've got, you know, you've got a lot of, lot of pennies there. You could get four, four blackjacks for a penny, four fruit salads for a penny. A bottle of Corona was one and eleven pence. Eight pence, because you got the money back. And when he turned it round, it said 3D back on this bottle. So you'd buy Corona. And if you were lucky, you could buy the Corona and a little block of ice cream. And you could do ice cream floats. And that was really flash. But sweeties were cheap. You have to... Two ounces of, of candy, cough candy, please. And, and I'll have two ounces of milk bottles as well. And you'd go home with lots of little packets of sweets and you'd lay them out. Lucky old sweets. And you'd, you'd lay them out on the cat and then decide which ones you were going to eat. It's like your little box of fireworks. November the 5th, you'd buy a little selection from Standard. And you'd for days before, you would take them out of the box and you'd shake them. To see if there was anything in there, little ball bearings or something that could kill the next door's cat. And, and then you'd, have little, and you'd, you'd lay them all out deciding which firework you were going to let off first. How much do you think pocket money is now? You won't believe it. I shall tell you after news. So we'll name and shame the cruel carers who tormented a patient and uh, children's pocket money. It, uh, it beggars belief, I promise you. Plenty more to come on the Wednesday morning early breakfast show on LBC with Steve Allen. If you're in just joining us for the 5am spike, you're very late. We start at four. Got all the papers in the studio. They sound like that. And... Uh, Little trick I picked up there. The Daily Mail is telling us how to spot a liar. Apparently it all involves trusting your gut instinct and not your mind. Some of Britain's best-known authors have slammed the move to block prisoners from receiving books in prison. OK, back to you again. And the person behind the no-makeup selfie has been revealed. The craze has raised over £8 million for charity. And, of course, we've got a fantastic gadget giveaway. And your texts and your emails. From LBC, this is Steve Allen and all of that is coming up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC. This is what your DAB radio is made for. Peter Mabbott's up this morning. Neil, uh, Gary Craig as well. Everybody's up this morning. I like it when people get up early because it's Wednesday. And because I don't have any pre-records to do today, I look on this as sort of like a bonus day. I can go home and, uh, and just sort of put my feet up, which is nice. Daily Mail is telling you how to spot a liar. I'm going to tell you about two cruel carers who tormented a patient. And how much is kids' pocket money? It's rocketed. It really has rocketed over the years. And, uh, and another person on the no-makeup selfie has been revealed. It's raised over £8 million for charity. That's only good news this morning on LBC. Fantastic gadget giveaway. We read all your texts and emails on the programme. 84850, steve at Why? Because the producer's just a bit of a stickler for things like that. He sits there and he says, you've got to do this. Kevin the Milkman says, so the venue holds 90. How will a quarter of a million of us listeners all fit in there? He said, mine's a Newcastle Brown. <laughs> I like the idea. Yes, well, no, the venue doesn't hold 90. The venue's much bigger. But the private room that we've got holds about 90. But having invited, because you always do that, don't you? You know when you, when you ever invite people to a party, you invite a lot of people, and then on the night, some people can't go. I mean, I've had a couple of people sort of say, I'm on holiday. I thought, well, I just don't talk to them anymore. Not, not bother. I've left them to one side. I'm sorry, as far as I'm concerned, you know, any sort of gathering where I'm at deserves people cancelling holidays. So here's the story of pocket money. Now, I've told you how much pocket money I used to get years and years ago, and grown-ups endure pay freezes. And it doesn't go up. And the only way that we used to get more money for pocket money is if we did something like do the washing up for a week or clean the car or clean your bicycle. I don't know why cleaning our bicycles warranted more pocket money. But that was the only way you could get more money out of your parents. And we didn't spend it on anything apart from sweets. 
That's what it seemed to be. It seemed to be... I don't remember saving up for anything. I think I went on holiday once. Because in the back of your passport, you could change your money up into local currency. And they put a stamp, long, long time ago, in your passport. And I think I went on holiday and I took pound ten shillings spending money. pound ten. I mean, that was quite a lot of money when, when you're very young. pound ten shillings. And it's written in the back. And, it's, it's, and I got it changed up into pesetas, I think. Anyway, average now, the weekly treat in the past 20 years has soared by 211%. So back in 1994, it was about £2.42, the equivalent of £4.09 pence in today's money. But now children of 94 are mums and dads themselves and hand over an average of £12.74 a week. <coughs> That's what it is. Because the youngsters today are buying different things. If you're, if you're a parent now and you've got kids of maybe six, seven, eight, nine, they're not that interested in sweets. All right, they eat sweets, but they're more interested in computer games, clothes. We just went for magazines, didn't we? Comics, sweets, little silly games. And you'd only buy the magazine if it had a free gift with it. You know, it might be an aeroplane or it might be sort of... I remember my, my favourite one was um, a butterfly, which had... It was it was two bits of, I think, cardboard, I seem to remember, or plastic. No, it might have been cardboard. With, a, with an elastic band round it, and you wound the elastic band up and you put it inside a book or inside a card. So when they opened the card, this thing went... And shot out of the card, frightened their life out of them. Nearly frightened myself, then. And that, and that, that was sort of a free gift. We liked free gifts. We liked free gifts. So that's how we used to buy. Nowadays, the kids have got their phone. They all sit there on their phones, don't they? Texting, tweeting, Facebooking, FaceTiming. It's all there. They've got the iPad, the BlackBerry, the iPad Junior. They've got everything. They've got all the modern technology, hence needing £12 a week to do it in, and they probably still can't do it on that. And then they want the latest trainers, and they also want, you know, the, the latest clothing. It's got to be the right labels. You know, only very rarely are they going to want something that's got Primark written in it. I mean, you know, most of the people I know, they're not going to buy anything in Primark. They might buy socks and a flannel, but that's as far as it goes. But some people actually want designer labels. They've got... A friend of mine went to the that um, designer village at Bicester, and he said he thought it was rubbish. And I said, but I'm, I know a lot of people who like that Bister shopping village. It's got all the designer shops there. It's got the Boss and uh, Armani and Prada and everything else. But what they're doing is they're selling last year's fashion. So, in other words, if you're anything to do with fashion and you like being fashionable, why would you want to wear last year's fashion? Personally, I can't tell the difference. I'm, I, don't, I don't think my fashion has changed in any way, shape or form. I think it's just remained roughly the same. Pair of jeans, nice smart shirt. The moment the shirt starts looking a bit manky on the cuffs and it never ever gets to that, I'll just get rid of, just buy another one. You know, I'm not going to waste huge amounts of money on clothing. I think the most I ever spent was £600 on a leather jacket. And that was ages ago, ages and ages ago. Uh, Chris says, you uh, you cheer me up. I'm having cold madras. Oh, God, how vile. I could never eat anything cold. It's like coming in here. Some people eat cold pizza. Cold pizza. I mean, that's my, that's my worst nightmare, I'm afraid. My worst nightmare. Cold pizza. I mean, how, how daft did you have to be? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Having listened to LBC as a 14-year-old from the test transmission days, um, uh, broadcasting folk have come and gone. But you've stayed. Well, they've died, mainly. They've died. He says, I can't believe you get paid for this privileged career that you've forged over <laughs> the years. Yes, well, I find it quite difficult as well. But uh, that's what it is. 
It's, it's like somebody, who's that somebody was saying to me the other day, they said, I cannot believe that you've got this, this Boris pass on the money you earn. You can afford to pay for it. I said, but I've paid into a system. If that's what somebody's offering you, it's like going in for a prize on a competition, and they say the prize is a box of chocolates. And then when it gets here, you get, oh, I couldn't possibly accept that. It's far too expensive. Just give me a, give me a dolly mixture or something. No, that's the prize. That's the prize. And so I, I always go for things like that. Westminster's full of liars, says Colin. They're called politicians. Yes, how do you know when a politician's lying? He's opening his mouth. And here is the dreadful story, and it, it grieves me to bring you yet another story about evil care workers. And evil they are. Evil they really are. Rita Page, 68, and Lynette Crook, 33. Where do they come from? Let's find out. Greater Manchester, Bury, And they were caught... Um, they're facing jail, and frankly, I would be I would be pushing them through into jail straight away. They f- they were filmed abusing a brain damaged patient, a brain damaged patient. They were swearing at him, they were smacking his legs, and uh, he lay groaning in his bed. And one of the women can be heard saying on the tape, "This is Rita Page, a sixty eight year old new stringing up." I'm afraid you won't beat us. And then she used a rude word. You know, there's a very fine line between abuse and neglect. Crook then added, better not think about being sick on me, lad. I don't do sick, so stop it, scummy lad. Don't be sick on me. Don't you dare, you dirty scummy boy. The reason that they put cameras in there uh, is that the patient's family were worried about his treatment, so they hid secret surveillance cameras in the room. This is the privately run Priory High Bank Centre for treatment of neurological disorders. So people go in there... You know, not not quite with everything intact. The healthcare assistants were um, suspended and arrested after the footage was handed to police. They've since been sacked. Since been sacked? I'll be stoning them, ladies and gentlemen. Both women pleaded guilty on Monday to ill-treatment offences on what should have been the first day of their trial. They were bailed pending sentencing, but a judge warned them immediate custody was likely. Page admitted two charges. I mean, these are people who are paid to care for somebody who's in a home that costs £3,000 a week. A privately run care home with filth like this working in it. One of them, she jabbed the patient in the torso and head with a pen whilst he was asleep using abusive language. He can't be named for legal reasons. He suffered brain damage as an accident. And after the case, his uncle called for cameras in care homes to protect vulnerable people. I absolutely agree. Malcolm Bauer-Brown, the regional director for Care Quality Commissions, says their thoughts are with the victim of the dreadful abuse. It's, it's not good enough. A spokesman for High Bank said, everybody at the company deeply regrets the unacceptable actions of these two members of staff. The company will not tolerate behaviour of this nature and both healthcare assistants have been dismissed. Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, that solves the problem, doesn't it? Let's just sort of get rid of them and take them out of the equation. And frankly, you know, we're really embarrassed that it, this might damage our reputation. It's pathetic, isn't it? It's like the Catholic Church. So here is a priest who abuses people. Um, don't say anything. Just move him somewhere else. Let him abuse somewhere else and let's take him out of the equation here. You know, it's just not good enough. Luckily, the parents of this brain-damaged boy were able to bring in secret cameras. It's just, I mean, absolutely appalling. And then when one of them was going into, into Bolton Crown Court, this is uh, Lynette Crook. She was laughing. Laughing. I mean, you know, if I was up in Manchester, darling, you would not be laughing, I promise you. We'd be making you suffer so badly. Really disgusting, you piece of lowlife. You really are. I'm so glad when the papers expose people like that. It's, I, just, I just sort of... Oh, it just drives me mad, doesn't it? It's, it's the most awful thing. Always think that could be my parent, my mother, my father, 
my son, my daughter being abused by two people like that. And they've just been dismissed by the home. Oh, we don't tolerate that kind of thing. Of course you don't. But quite clearly, it's been going on for some time. You know, if the uh, parents hadn't come in and installed cameras, would it still be going on? Perhaps somebody might have died. You have to think of all these things, don't you? Uh, I love your Scottish accent, says Carol. You were talking about the uh, bottled water and uh, the, the Tynant, which is the Welsh bottle. Yeah, the reason I mentioned it is because I got disappointed in the fact that the bottle wasn't blue glass. I wanted it to be blue glass, but it's just a blue covering over it. And in fact, when you, you can pick it off around the neck of it, and I've, I've suddenly discovered underneath this, this bottle is, is just a, a normal clear bottle. But apparently Thai is pronounced the same as tea. Tinant. Whatever it was, it was, it was bottled water. And, and it was lovely. And it probably still is. You can probably still buy it. I don't know. But I do only drink bottled water. In fact, I have a bottle of water with me. I carry a bottle of water everywhere now. I think you have to if you're a diabetic. It's, and also, if it's hot in London. And also, if you get thirsty, you're sitting at the station thinking, I've definitely, I've definitely got to have a drink of water. You can buy little bottles of water. Some people fill them up at work. We have special taps here. I've just realised the source. I've got a name on the side of my bottle. Louise. Source Louise. Dickens, does that mean? Does that mean Louise bottled my water or something like that? Never understood that. Amazing, isn't it? Coming up, the uh, the loaf of bread that cost one poor shopper £450. Ooh, the loaf of bread that cost one poor shopper £450. I can't wait to read that one myself, actually. LBC News Time, it's 5.15. Just thought maybe, says little Julie, Sam has a surprise guest lined up for you at your party. All the way from Sandy's, it's James the Lobster. That would be my worst nightmare. Do you know, my, my, my best, my best, most exciting thing would be if I walked into this venue and the entire choral Boys Aloud, only Boys Aloud are there, singing from all the balcony. That, that, would, that would really uh, that would make my day. Do you know the one thing, I hate to be, uh, I'm not normally cynical, as you know, if you listen to this programme on <laughs> any basis at all, but I really couldn't care less about Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin. I'm not remotely interested. So, couple with children, split up. Hello, welcome to the real world. And then, and their statements, they make us, people have to make a statement. It is with hearts full of sadness, we've decided to separate. Hello, who cares? I really couldn't care less. I was, I was almost horrified to hear on, uh, on LBC that sort of running in the, but who cares whether people separate? It goes on all the time. Loads of people separate. And yet, all of a sudden, because it's Gwyneth Paltrow and, and somebody else, people go, oh, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. And I think, well, so? And they always say the same thing. There's nobody else involved. We're going to remain friends. Yep. Try telling that to uh, to uh, Susanna Reid. <laughs> Hello, hubby. Would you like to get back with me? No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. I spoke to somebody else yesterday. Somebody else who's in the business, uh, a leading person in the business. And um, and I said, do you think it's going to work with Susanna Reid? And they went, nope. Nope, it's not at all. Oh, and there's a, oh, there's a new... Oh, 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 I knew I was going to mention something to you, because I only just discovered it. ITV have got a new programme where the contestants will be hypnotised. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds quite interesting. And who's going to be hosting it? It's only blooming Philip Schofield again, isn't it? Have they got nobody else? Have they really run out of people? Or is he really that intent on inflicting himself? I mean, how many programmes does he do? Can't they find somebody else? Please? Please? Makes it look as though you've not got anybody at all. 
Oh, and here's another programme with Philip Schofield. So you get Philip Schofield, Mr and Mrs, Philip Schofield with the Cube, Philip Schofield on this morning, Philip Schofield hosting all the award ceremonies on ITV. I mean, it's practically every single thing on there. Dear God in heaven, there must be somebody else. So a new programme about contestants being hypnotised. To be honest with you, I thought most of them were on programmes. Hosted by Philip Schofield. <laughs> Come on! Stop it! Anyway, poor old John Brown's in the papers today. Uh, John Brown uh, went out to Asda. Not exactly getting a good press these days, Asda. First of all, somebody kills themselves in the shop. And then he goes in there and his receipt bears the lovely slogan, saving you money every day. Unfortunately, in this particular case, he actually went out for a few breakfast basics. And, and he didn't notice, because he rushed a handful of goods through a self-service till and neglected to check the receipt. And he put through eggs, jam, bread, which was reduced, and, and something else. It might have been some bacon. Anyway, the grocery should have come to £3.80. But unfortunately, the loaf of bread came in at £453. <laughs> and being the intelligent person that he is, uh, he didn't notice. And he only noticed when he went to an ATM machine and printed out the little receipt. And he noticed £453.19 at the store in Wolverhampton. He discovered that the Robert Bakery malted wheat-grown loaf, supposedly reduced to 69p, had cost him £450. You'd think maybe the computer would have alerted itself to the fact that it was charging 450 quid for a loaf of bread, but apparently not in Asda. Uh, yesterday... Mr Brown, who lives a short walk from the shop, admitted he should have checked the amount before typing in his debit card pin. I regularly use the self-service tills as they're generally quicker. I like to get in and out. And so uh, the error scuppered Mr Brown's attempts to purchase a car as it left him unable to put down a deposit. He's complained to the supermarket. He's now received a refund and a £15 gift card. Well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have given him that. I'd have said you should have checked it. Don't, don't you check these things. All this rubbish about, I was in a bit of a rush, I knew what the bill should have roughly come to. So you put your card in. It comes up on the screen. On the, scr- on the self-service tip. He must be really dumb, this bloke, I've just realised. Because I've used self-service all the time, and on the bottom thing, as you put an item on, it scans it, and it puts up the price. Perhaps he's registered blind. But he's not. Anyway, an Asda spokesman said the error was an isolated incident uh, relating to an error on the coding of the reduced price sticker attached to the loaf. He goes to say we're sorry for any inconvenience. I wouldn't have apologised to him. I'd have gone, why don't you open your eyes, matey, and have a look? On the screen, I mean, it must have been on there in fairly big letters. Even a buffoon like you must have noticed that one. £450, surely. Then you, you look at it and you put your card in. Ridiculous. I mean, anyway, so... Anyway, he lives a short walk for the shop, so he was able to go back. But he only noticed it when he went to another ATM and discovered that amount had been taken out of his account. Ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know why shops should have to apologise. Why would you want to apologise for, for something like that? Uh, 84850 steve at uk. Let's try and uh, get into more things. On the subject of, uh, of pocket money, I used to get five bob a week. Was that 25 pence? can't remember now. When I was a kid in the 60s, just about enough for some comics and a couple of sherbet dabs. Had to be nice to my nan. Not that I was anything else, of course, as David said. She'd give me the extra one and eight pence so I could go and buy downtown. I've still got that 45 RPM record. Kids today don't know they're born. Well, they do. They blooming well do. It's just that they, they sort of think, well, that's fantastic. I'll have that. I will have that. I, I want that computer. I want that, that expensive toy. But because they don't understand what money is. They don't understand that you have to save up for things. It's only when you get to be an adult that you suddenly realise that all those nice things you see, you can't afford them. You can't afford them all the time. 
because you have to save up for it. In the case of buying a loaf of bread at Asda, £450 for an idiot who can't even bother to check the screen. Perhaps he was staring into space. I always know what I'm saying. Because if you're paying cash, I know he was putting it on a card. If you pay cash and it comes up at £450, you'd, you'd put a £20 note in, wouldn't you? And you'd, you'd know because it would go, no, you need to put some extra money in here. you go, excuse me, there's an error. But no, he walked out. Um, if you want to get a mortgage, the Council of Mortgage Lenders are trying to change the system. They're going to ask you questions about how much your weekly food bill is, how much childcare costs you, how much you spend on clothing. They want to know everything because it's obviously too open to fraud. The shake-up, which is the biggest in the mortgage market for a generation, will not just affect young people asking for their first home loan. Homeowners who need to apply for a new mortgage when their current deal runs out could also undergo a grilling. I mean, it's the common sense approach. What they want to know is you can afford to pay your mortgage back. No good taking it out and then thinking, oh, well, I, I, I don't think I can really be bothered. Because they, they want to make sure that, that you're going to pay it back again. So some people tell fibs, but nowadays... And if they ask you about clothing... I mean, I wouldn't know how much you spend on clothing in, the, the, um, in a month. I have no idea at all. In fact, mine, mine's fairly straightforward because I have a separate account, a separate bank account with another bank, of which my mortgage comes out of and a couple of other bills. So we, we pay money into that every month and then we, we, we don't need to worry about it. I would never get to the situation which it, it, it would be possible to get in nowadays, as many of you will probably realise, where you, the, the money comes to go out. And, of course, if you don't have enough money in there to cover the mortgage or the bills going out, they then write you going, uh, we couldn't afford to pay this bill. And, by the way, we've charged you £25 for the privilege of writing you this letter. And you think, well, if you know I haven't got any money, why all of a sudden are you now charging me for this, uh, for this letter to tell me? I can remember once, years and years ago, I missed a payment on a Visa card, Barclay card. And, and they wrote to me saying, uh, we now want all the money. I thought, well, if you didn't get the minimum, you're not going to be getting all of it, are you? That was just false economy, I'm afraid. Darren's in Blackpool, says, hope you are well. I am this well this morning, actually. It's not as cold outside as it has been in the, in the past few days. It has, we've had some I mean, cold weather down in London. Mind you, up and down the rest of the country, we've had, uh, we've had lots, of, lots of bad weather, I'm afraid. Not so good. Uh, there's a, a man here in the paper. You always find idiots. Uh, this is another one. Um... It's, uh, it's uh, a dam, an almost vertical 50-foot reservoir dam. Now, I don't know if you've seen extreme skiing on the telly, where people go out on a snowboard and they literally drop down a vertical mountain. My heart in my mouth watching them. I always think, my God, that's an accident waiting to happen. And here is a bloke here. Uh, this is at uh, a reservoir near Newquay in Cornwall. And this 15-second clip was posted online. Southwest Water has warned of hidden dangers at the site and said it stepped up security because you don't know what's under the water. So what he does is he paddles to the edge on a bodyboard and then, laughing nervously, launches himself all in the shadow of a concrete wall. I mean, he didn't know how deep the water was the other end. And I'm assuming it's... I mean, I don't know whether or not this is actually... It says Porth Reservoir, so it's not a sewage works, which could have been a very nasty surprise the other end. But... You look at him and you think, there are people who do this, aren't they? There are, there are people who do this this thrill body surfing and thrill surfing and everything else. Uh, apparently many natural springs have more than one point where the, more, where the water rises. Each is named, hence Louise. This is actually big letters, Source Louise. Okay, it's quite a surprise because I've never noticed that at all. Andrew says, you never know your party surprise. Could be Jodie Marsh jumping out of a cake. No, 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 no. If it, if, if it was Jodie Marsh, we'd be holding her under the cake. Holding her under the cake. Uh, pizza heated up again, says Johnny G. The next day in a proper oven tastes better than when it was freshly cooked. Does it? Oh. 
I don't know. I'm not a big fan of pizza. I look at them and I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly bothered. I know kids like them. And it's easy, easy dinner, isn't it? Mum just pop a pizza in the oven. But, uh, but the rest, not, not, uh, not much good. Lawrence says, bit of good news for you. Now you're 39 plus VAT. You can travel free on the South End pier train. Really? God, that's a bonus. Lee Mead comes from South End. Dad was a postman. Mum was a cleaner. She's now retired. And so he'll be in... A, he'll, he's not touring, I think, till May. He's filming Casualty up until then. Uh, this week, Sam Bailey. She's a chatty little thing. We had a good chat, actually. And I can't remember who else is... Oh, it's Terry Gilliam. Oh, fantastic. Terry Gilliam. Very deep chat. Very not Well, not, not too deep for you, don't worry. And Sam Bailey as well. So that's good. Sam has got a new album out. Kean Egan's album has hit the charts at number nine. Obviously based uh, in part to our fantastic interview that we had, which you can download on LBC. Uh, coming up, a London council's offering 24-hour childminding services to their residents. Would that be a good idea for your kids? LBC News Time, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Read those dreadful carers, says Ursula. Uh, I was born in 37. In those days, if a girl was pretty as I was, one's parents didn't bother about educating you. You'd attract a suitable husband. Yes, I mean, that's what it was all about, wasn't it, in those days? You were looking for a, looking for a husband. And, uh, and if, if you married, nobody really bothered about your education. You were just looking for somebody who was fairly well-heeled, and then you became a housewife, and that was a career. Still is now for a lot of people. I never understand how on earth, ladies and women, how you juggle a career and keeping the house clean and doing the washing and doing the ironing and doing the cooking and organising just about everything. I mean, the mother of my godchildren, I don't know where she finds the hours in the day from. In between running a business, very successful business, and in between doing all the ironing for the whole family and in between getting all the, the meals ready and between cleaning. I mean, it just does beggar's belief. But uh, Ursula says, uh, I want to, she said, I don't want to, you know, I did find myself, I had to work, so I found myself some work in a Victorian mental asylum, and I cannot relate to the horrors I see, read the treatment of poor vulnerable people, padded cells, people left with no clothes. I know, my, my grandmother died in a, in a, in an asylum. They laughingly called them asylums, and they sort of changed their names, and it was literally, you went in there, I think I told you a while ago, my father used to go and visit her, because it was his, his mother. And she didn't know who he was. It was it was dementia before people really talked about dementia. Now we talk about it all the time because it's far more prevalent in society and you can see it in far more families. But he used to go and visit her and she'd just be sitting there staring into space. I mean, it was a terrible existence. Terrible. Ask Joe Brand to talk about working as a psychiatric nurse. She'll tell you horror stories. Horror stories. You know, my, my, my grandmother. I mean, some people be walking up and down talking to walls. It used to be the, the Victorian pastime, didn't it? To go and laugh at the loonies in the loony bin. They'd be wandering around, talking to trees and stuff like that. And the Victorians, it was a day out for them. Ursula's got it right, though. She says, I want to drop dead in Oxford Street looking at shop windows. I don't want to be in the hands of carers. No, I mean, some people are very grateful. There are, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are lots of really, really good carers and lots of people who are committed. Unfortunately, every so often you find two vile people and they get exposed. But it's, it's the homes, isn't it? It's such big business nowadays. All they're interested in is the money. I see that, you know, they're all, lots of them are owned by big companies or fellow individuals set them up. And as fast as one person dies in a home, the room is cleaned and then the next person's moved in. I think it was very apropos watching that programme, Waiting for God. I found that very educational. <laughs> right, so the LBC Gadget giveaway for today, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you the time quickly. It's 25 minutes to six. Peter Kennard in Kent got yesterday's prize. 
which was the Android tablet. Today, it's the Asus VivoBook laptop to be won. Loads of fantastic features, and the good news is it's touch screen. And it could be yours at 6.30 this morning. In fact, I would very much like it to be yours at 6.30 this morning. So one lucky person will win the Asus VivoBook X200 touchscreen laptop today. Google it, and so you know what it looks like. It's because it's touchscreen you're going to want to keep it. On which reality TV show did Jade Goody first appear? On which reality TV show did Jade Goody first appear? Text the word gadget, follow by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. So on which TV show did Jade Goody first appear? Text the word gadget, then the answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. UK. On the subject of comics and free gifts, as a small boy, I ran to my local news agents when I heard the words, uh, when I heard the word, the, the week's Beano had a blue plastic boomerang on the front page. My next door friend could make this thing work, took mine and ended up on the roof of our small terraced house. I was fed up and my pocket money didn't stretch to a replacement. I haven't thought about... It from that day to this. I wonder what the comic and the gift would be worth today. Well, if you kept it in, in pristine conditions. It was generally only the number ones. But, I mean, if you collected comics years and years ago, and every time you bought one uh, and it came with a free gift, you put it inside a plastic file and then you put it away somewhere, then you would have things in mint condition with the free gift. You see them sometimes cropping up on the antique roadshows. It's fascinating what, what, what we had as children and what we just threw away. We didn't keep it. I told you before, my, my parents thought having comics was terribly common. So we didn't have comics. My, my father was a telegraph reader. So we had the telegraph delivered. Delivered, I ask you, delivered. That was considered posh in those days. Especially at Christmas when we all had to hide behind the settee when the paperboy came around for his Christmas box. My mother used to turn the lights off and we'd hide behind the settee. So we didn't have to pay any money. We did, I'm only joking. And, um, and so you know, to have comics in the house, they just wouldn't have had that. It's like we didn't, we didn't have... I mean, nowadays... How many televisions have you got in your house? I mean, I've got television in the bathroom, I've got television in the spare room, television in the bedroom, television in the kitchen, television in the sitting room. You don't think I'm an addict, do you? Nobody stretch of the imagination. Is that a lot? Of, but I, I don't like to miss things. I go from room to room to room, so I like to make sure that I'm keeping in touch with everything that's going on, just in case something uh, something happens. I want to know about it first. I've got the radio on in the bathroom as well. I'm all over the place with these things. And yet, years ago, there was one television. It was in the lounge, and it never went on during the daytime. It only went on of an evening time when there was something... Di- My mother would sit down and go through the, uh, the TV listings to decide whether or not there was something suitable on the television to watch. We weren't just going to sit down there because we'd end up with square eyes. As a 41-year-old, says Paul, I only remember decimal. He says, your party, you're not having a stack of sprouts like the ambassador does in the advert for Ferreira Rocher. <laughs> that would be quite funny, actually. I think that would be very funny. I don't think we're having Ferreira Rocher at all. I could go and buy some, couldn't I? Uh, looking forward to hearing Lee Mead, says little Julie. I voted for him in the search for Joseph, any dream will do. Actually, if you go on YouTube, you can see him singing that. There's a, little, a couple of little documentaries about him uh, singing as well and winning the competition. And he cried at the end. And I said to him, I said, what was it like crying? He said it was just so emotional. So emotional. But did you know, I didn't know until I spoke to him yesterday, that in fact before... He went in for that Any Dream Will Do programme. He was touring in... Uh, he'd already been in Phantom, Miss Saigon. He'd done Joseph. He'd done loads of things, which is good. Bottled water. Have you drunk it yet? Was the beverage passed by this employee, Louise? 
I do, isn't it funny how we... I don't know why I drink bottled water. I've got friends of mine who go, what's the matter with the tap? And I go, I don't know, I just don't want to drink out of the tap. So I drink bottled water. I keep it in the car. I've got loads of bottles of water in the car. So if I'm driving down the motorway, I can have a, I can have a sip of water if you get... If it's hot or something like that. Everybody does it, don't they? Is it not normal nowadays? I see people going into, uh, into theatre into theatres, and they're all they're all clutching little bottles of water. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Patricia says, read your view on Gwyneth Paltrow. Same here, they're not divorcing, they're decoupling. Sounds like trains, doesn't it? And they're going to co-parent, but they still love, love, love each other. Well, I mean, to be honest, who cares? I'm, you know, I'm not interested in whether somebody... If it was somebody I knew... If it was some, you know, a friend of mine, they would get. Well, in fact, a friend of mine is actually getting divorced. But uh, then that, that's of interest to me. But it's of no interest to anybody else. The fact that Gwyneth Paltrow is separating from Chris Martin, and they've issued a statement. God, how dull is that? A statement, Lord above. Uh, truancy record fines are up. This is parents who uh, whose children stay out of school, and they find them. They're not paying. They're unfortunately falling for it, because they then end up... There were 52,500 penalty notices handed out last year by schools, up from 41,000. Four in ten patient, uh, parents, patients might as well be, mightn't they, which is around about 21,000, failed to pay. 8,000 ended up facing prosecution. Don't ever think you can get away with it. Your area might be one of those that's particularly vindictive, and they're determined to get you, so you pay, and if if not, they'll put you in court, and you end up with a, with a record. So you must be... Very, very careful. But some people, they just don't bother. I remember seeing people on television going, I'm not paying. You know, she doesn't want to go to school. They go, well, she should, you know, your child should go to school. Pff, I don't care. And that's, that's the, the mental attitude from these people. They're, they're too stupid for their own good. We'll go through some more of the, uh, the papers. In a, I had to have a look at the Metro. I was wandering through it yesterday, and there was a story. And I now can't remember. I was going to cut it out. And I can't remember what it was. It was in that very lame sort of showbiz-type column thing. And I remember thinking... Is it Sarah Harding? Oh, Sarah Harding. I believe she's on YouTube, singing on GMTV, flat as a pancake. Flat as a pancake. And she says, I'm very embarrassed by singing flat. Nobody ever thought she was a singer anyway. There's a memorial held for Lorenz Scott, which has been organised by Mick Jagger. Uh, he joined 60 of the designer's close friends for the service at Hollywood Forever Funeral Home. It sounds like something out of a... Out of a um, out of one of those programmes on the television, doesn't it? The streets of San Francisco are now over to the Hollywood Forever Funeral Home in L.A. And they've all got those canopies outside, haven't they? Or it's a, it's a Columbo, you know, set in a, a funeral home. Over here, we just call them funeral directors. Over there, they call them funeral homes. And they have, and it's all, t- they actually have chapels inside. You don't necessarily have to go to a local church, because a lot of these funeral homes have got chapels there. Whereas in this country, you sort of, you have the, the chapel of rest, where you can go and view somebody. If you uh, if you so desire, uh, Bonanza for the selfies without the makeup. I mentioned selfies earlier on. In fact, I was going up the escalator at Waterloo the other day, and there were some girls at the bottom doing a selfie, which means taking a picture uh, of themselves. And this bloke on the other side went selfie, selfie, and I thought, oh, has it got as bad as that nowadays? Apparently, they're, they're, they're all doing it. Pictures of women wearing no makeup flooded social media sites. Cheryl Cole's done it. Oh, I'm boring, and uh, they've raised money for cancer research. And what they do, uh, texting the word donate rather than beat, meant nearly £19,000 were sent to the UN aid agency. <coughs> They've got a picture of Michelle Keegan, who texted, and she, she claims not to be wearing makeup. 
Yeah, right. I love the idea. I'm not wearing makeup. And it's always the people you couldn't care less about, isn't it? I couldn't care less whether Helen Flanagan puts makeup on or doesn't uh, put makeup on. Oh, that's what I was going to cut out yesterday. Sam Bailey. We didn't talk about this, but she's had no contact with Simon Cowell at all. He's uh, he's signed up. Tamara, who was the one who couldn't remember her lines. You remember in the in the X Factor? I mean, she was a complete waste of space, but he signed her up, so he obviously thinks he can get an album out of it or a single or something like that. But uh, Sam Bailey... Says, uh, I'm not worried. Well, why should, why should she be worried? She's got, the, she's got the tour, she's got her album out. I wouldn't be worried about it at all in any way, shape or form. Quite clearly, it's, uh, she says it comes down to looks. And she's not wrong. She's absolutely right. It comes down to looks. They're looking, do they have any longevity? And obviously doesn't think there's any longevity with Sam Bailey. But uh, she's just a singer. She'll always sing. It's what Lee Mead said to me the other day. He said, I'm, I'm doing the acting. He said, but I just want to sing. I said, it's funny. I just want to broadcast. Coming up, the Miss Hampshire winner who's caused a bit of a kerfuffle as she's not actually from Hampshire. She comes from Twickenham. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 11 minutes to six. Nick Ferrari this morning ahead of the historic debate on the EU this evening at seven on LBC and on lbc.co.uk. There will be special reports from Paris and across the UK, plus the biggest names in politics and business telling Nick exactly what both leaders need to do to come out on top. Adam Bolton, political editor of Sky News, will be looking at the papers this morning. Um, Paul Hollywood is a bit nervous in the papers today. The reason he's, uh, he's nervous is at the Great British Bake Off live stage shows. He says, I just hope I can keep going as I'm quite a shy lad off camera. Yes, I think we know exactly how shy you are, I'm afraid. Uh, Sophie says, we're on our way to New York, uh, Steve. Any advice? Don't go. Don't go. No, turn, turn the car around now. Don't bother going. It's naff. It's full of Americans. You'll absolutely hate it. Just turn around, go home, settle back, turn on LBC. You don't want to go to New York. Oh, dreadful place. Very noisy, very sort of, but cheap, but very cheap. Very good. Lens in Manchester. Good for you. And Peter says, I won the gadget yesterday. I'd like to say thank you for my tablet. <laughs> thank you for my tablet. Makes it sound like a doctor's surgery, doesn't it? Dispensing things. Uh, Margaret in, uh, in St Ives says, Steve, six firefighters had to free a child's head from a toilet, uh, for a child's toilet trainer seat in a place near Camborne in Cornwall. All happens down here. <coughs> Not. Yes. So Peter Kennard in Kent, he got himself the Android tablet today in the gadget competition. It's the Asus VivoBook X200 touch screen laptop. It's got all the... It sings, it dances, it'll do the washing up for it, it'll do everything. Well, it won't, just in case there's somebody going to be going, I bought it, and I'm afraid it doesn't do the washing up at all. On which reality show, reality TV show, did Jade Goody first appear? On which reality TV show did Jade Goody first appear? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. That text will cost you pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Eight minutes coming up. Coming up, eight minutes to six. So, well done on getting the prize yesterday. Proving that we have very, very happy winners all the way over. I wish I'd been a winner... Because a dozen directors of the British mobile games company that made Candy Crush could become multimillionaires. I've I, I never had a gift of doing anything with computers. Even now, I'm totally useless. It's floating in America today. That's where they find out how much they're going to get. They reckon they could get £5 billion 
when the shares in King Digital begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange. Among them, uh, former Derby County Football Club director Melvin Morris, who stands to make, wait for, imagine this, this is a payday, £530 million. Pounds. <coughs> imagine, oh, just pay it in, we'll deal with it later. Uh, also, King's chief executive, Ricardo Zacconi, who will pocket £451 million. Pounds. Wow. The game in which players line up sweets on a grid is played more than a billion times a day. It's free to download, but King charges for extras such as lollipop hammers and extra lives. Mr Sacconi said a key principle was no individual game session should take more than five minutes. You imagine you come up with something like that and then they go, we're going to float and it's worth, we think, about five billion pounds, the company. Uh-huh. And your cheque is for... 530 million. Thank you very much indeed. I shall take that. I shall take 530 million. Wow. Wow. That is unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, the Queen apparently has met One Direction. What in God's name, name she thinks they are? I've got no idea. Especially as we were told the other week she hums Gary Barlow songs. I don't believe she does. I don't believe she does at all. But, uh, oh, so it's not One Direction. Oh, it was one of One Direction. It was uh, Niall Horan, who was among more than 300 Irish people, to attend a special recep- re- reception, reception uh, for the Queen. The 20-year-old was joined by uh, Louis Walsh and fashion designer Orla Keeley at the event. Do you think Patrick Kilty went? Do you think he went as well? He'll, he'll turn up for most things, won't he? Then he's going to open the fridge door and he's there. But anyway, the singer said it's an absolute honour to be here with two great countries coming together. I couldn't believe it when I got the invitation. I know, because you weren't doing anything, were you? You were just sort of sitting at home thinking, what do I do now? And you turn up with Louis Walsh. Louis Walsh was ever so cruel the other day. I don't know if you've read the review that Louis Walsh gave to I Can't Sing. Um, because apparently they're, they're, they're quite cruel to Dermot O'Dreary. Quite cruel to him in the show. In I Can't Sing, loosely based on the X Factor, very loosely with a Simon Cowell type lookalike and a, and a doddery old man who's supposed to be Louis Walsh. And Louis says uh, that they do and portray uh, the, uh, the other character of Dermot O'Dreary as this sort of person who's, uh, who's a bit up himself and likes to think that he's got the common touch, but he hasn't really. He said it's almost spot on. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, old Dermot O'Dreary will be saying something to you next time he bumps into you in his 4x4. Four 84850, four. Uh, UK. Still to come, the, the Miss Hampshire winner. She's caused a bit of kerfuffle. She's not from Hampshire. But there again, you see, I don't think that makes any difference. Her father apparently works in Hampshire. She comes from Twickenham. She comes from Twickenham. And, and somebody in the competition complained about it. Said, this is absolutely outrageous. This is outrageous that somebody's, you know, they're not, it's supposed to be Miss Hampshire. And I thought, well, the Eurovision Song Contest, you've had different people representing who don't come from the country that they're representing. They just sort of bust them in. They've been, I think actually it was years ago, wasn't it? Celine Dion sang for Luxembourg or something. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, lo- there's lots of people who actually don't come from where they say they come from. But I don't think it makes any difference. They're, they're representing that particular county. She said she, she loves... She loves uh, Southampton and round there. And so why shouldn't she be Miss Hampshire? But obviously somebody else decided that they were going to take issue with it. Say, no, it should only be for people who come from Southampton. Bad in America at the moment, isn't it? This, uh, the death toll from this giant mudslide. Uh, this is in uh, Oso in Washington. And literally, because of all the rain, and it was an accident waiting to happen, people were still allowed to build houses. The local 
town planning round there said, yes, you can still build houses, whereas, in fact, they should have actually uh, sort of sorted out the state of the mountain behind them, because as it became waterlogged, the whole lot slid away. They've recovered, I think, something like um, 14 bodies so far. There are 176 missing. And the reason they're missing is because the mud is 20 feet deep. I mean, there is no chance, barring the Almighty's miracle, that's going to mean they're going to pull anybody else out alive. The mud is 20 feet thick. It has engulfed the uh, the little village, which is northeast of Seattle. I mean, people, I think, back as far as 1999 did warn them and say, listen, there is the danger that this mountain could... And we've seen it before, and you just don't imagine that there's this much rubble and earth and trees, but it's 20 feet. They would have been buried instantly, and they would have suffocated. So there's no way that anybody would be alive. I mean, it is possible some reports of the 176 missing may be duplicates... This is the uh, team director, John Pennington. He says, I believe very strongly we're not going to see that number in fatalities, but it doesn't make it any easier. They pulled a dog out alive, I saw, a short while ago. Uh, But it's just absolutely appalling. You look at the size of it and you cannot appreciate just how bad. And the same as the tsunami. If you watch the videos of the tsunami coming in, it just looks like a very small little wave. It doesn't look as though it could cause any damage at all. And that once you saw it, once it gained in strength... It was almost like a behemoth that just took everything and boats and cars, everything else, smashing into bridges. Absolutely terrible. Uh, 84850, do you remember when it's easily used as a test card in the afternoon? There was nothing on after Crown Court, says Ian. Well, I remember when television used to finish. I remember they used to play the National Anthem. I don't think they played the National Anthem at all. I don't think you get the National Anthem on television, do you now? All I know is on my television, on the Freeview, I get something called Babe Station. Where some sort of person I've never seen before goes, phone me. Phone. And I thought, I don't even know who you are. Why would I phone somebody? Babes, I ask you. What on earth's that going on in the early hours of the morning? It's all very peculiar. Talking about collecting comics, says John. My brother has 38 box dinky toys from his childhood in very good condition. And some of the trucks and cars are still wrapped in the tissue paper inside the boxes. If only we'd all saved them. Unfortunately now, of course, the clever thing is, with uh, all the dinky toys, and uh, older people will remember this, that there are people who can take them apart respray them, and they make new boxes meant to look like the old boxes. It's very difficult to tell what, what's genuine and what has been restored. And an awful lot of things have been restored, I'm afraid. You've got to, you've got to really have your wits around you when you go to some of these toy fairs, because there are unscrupulous... I've seen people sit there spraying them, little tiny spray things, to make these toys look as good as new. Only got half an hour left for you this Wednesday morning on LBC. It's still a bit murky out there today. It is down here. I don't know what it's like, your neck of the woods. I'll give you the, uh, the weather rundown a little bit later on. Uh, I'm here till 6.30 when I hand over to Lisa Aziz for the morning news. We've got all the papers in the studio. I'll make my way through them before the end of the show. A report suggests that adding fluoride to water can improve the dental health of youngsters, because that's when teeth start start going a little bit a bit off kilter. Cyber stalkers and text perverts face being sent to jail for two years under new plans that have won the backing of the government. Oh, fantastic. I've got names and addresses. And according to his DNA, Presley was always destined to die young. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen. All of that is coming up next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. I'm delighted to report that everybody agrees with me about Asda. Why on earth they should have to apologise? Because some idiot 
pays £450 for a loaf of bread and puts his credit card into the self-service machine because he's quite clearly too stupid to realise that it says for... Everybody's agreed with me on that one, so thank you very much indeed. I knew I was right on it all the time. Why the hell gave him a £15 voucher? I'd have charged him an extra tenner for being so stupid, I'm afraid. Five past six, cyber stalkers and text perverts. Jail. Two years. New plans. Backing of the government. Can't wait to name and shame. And Elvis Presley was always destined to die young. Well, there you go. They've been proved right. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. All of that between now and half past. Oh, and the gadget giveaway. Don't go anywhere. And Phil and Brian, thank you very much indeed. They sent me an, an old photograph of me taken at the Middlesex show, and I think I must have compared something on the stage. But unfortunately... And, and, and the telling picture is... I'm holding a cigarette. I'm holding a... Shame on me. Shame on me. Don't smoke now, of course. Don't smoke now. I'm a little bit worried about a story that's appeared in, in a number of the papers today about a school which has changed its name. Now, sometimes this happens. Schools get named for various reasons. But here is the story of the school which changed its name from that of a Second World War hero. Okay. So, I mean, you might you might uh, disagree with this, or you might agree with it. Uh, John Baskefield was awarded the Victoria Cross. John Baskefield, aged 22, he single-handedly fought Nazi tanks. But now, John Baskefield, VC, primary school in Stoke-on-Trent, has been renamed St Nathaniel's Academy. Trustees, wait for this one, I mean, I can't understand this at all. He's been given the VC... He single-handedly stood there and held off the enemy with two anti-tank guns until he too was killed. Okay, so he gets the VC. He's 22 years old, he gets killed, and they named the school after him. Trustees rebranded the school because after being put in special measures two years ago, people associated the name with failure. What? Lance Sergeant Baskefield's niece, Joyce Windsor, said last night, nobody will remember him, it's heartbreaking. When all his fellow soldiers were felled in the Battle of Arnhem in 1944, Baskefield held off the enemy with his two anti-tank guns. He's Stoke's proudest son, said parent Rachel Meany. Children should be learning about that, not a saint nobody's heard of. Executive principal, executive principal, you know where we're going, don't you? Chris Brizian said, the school is moving from strength to strength, but it still has a way to go. To continue with the John Baskefield name would have continued with that legacy of failure. But he wasn't... Are you stupid? He wasn't a failure. He was a, he's got the VC, for God's sake. What do you think they do? You don't give the VC to somebody for failure. They say to have that legacy of failure associated with a local Victoria Cross winner wasn't good for him either. So the failure was with the, with the school, so they've decided to change it and call it St Nathaniel, Nathaniel, whoever in God's name that is. No idea. Oh, you slightly worry about these schools, don't you? I worry about them all the time, ladies and gentlemen. I mentioned a book the other day. A lot of people have been inquiring about it. It's called The Silver Songsters. And uh, this is by Julian Ruck. It's based on a, on a sort of a true story about kids who, uh, who join up to sing. And uh, it's, it's a novel that you won't forget. It's quite interesting, actually. It's very, very interesting. I've just started it. And I think, I think you'll like it. It's all to do with a, a Jewish refugee fleeing Nazi Germany and a rascal from South Wales who actually was... That's the true bit of the story. So The Silver Songsters, it's called. I haven't yet seen the films which are now out, which is Philomena and Saving Mr Banks, which is the Mary Poppins story. Uh, mainly because I didn't have a chance to get round to them yesterday. I was too busy rushing around trying to get all these, uh, all these other little bits and pieces done and sort out another one of the famous lobsters. Uh, 84850 oh, 
steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, maybe it's me being a grumpy old man, says Johnny. So flipping tired of selfies. What indulgence and vanity now favoured by politicians. Here's what, I mean, I didn't know what they were. I, th- I thought it was one of the, I thought it was like a onesie. I didn't realise it, it was the taking of the picture. I've had a couple down. Somebody says, oh, should we take a selfie? I think I took one with another of the presenters here at the, at the station. And uh, I don't know why I had it done, actually, really, because I'm not into those sort of things. Uh, Malcolm says, because all these disasters that we're reading about in the paper could be the start of the end of the world. <clears throat> well, no, it depends what your belief is, isn't it? If, 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 you are, if you're Christian, then you believe that God has done this for a purpose. How wiping people out is, is a purpose, I have no idea, but that's the way people will explain it. So a jet airliner that goes missing with 238 people on board is because the pilot might have committed suicide. If there's a God, why didn't he save it? You know, if there's a God, why didn't he warn all these people? Well, I suppose he did, actually, really, uh, over near Washington when this half a mountain collapsed. We've seen it when they have, uh, you know, up in the Alps and all of a sudden they have an avalanche and hundreds and thousands of tonnes of snow descend on people and they've got to try and find them and they're beneath 20, 30 feet of snow in the case of this mountain collapsing, 20 feet of mud. So no chance at all of anybody being found at all. Uh, the front of the mirror today... Talking about the non-event story of the year. Gwyneth Paltrow and some bloke she was married to splitting up. I don't know why that's of interest to anybody. A British paedophile jailed in the UK for six sex attacks was hiding out on the Algarve when Madeleine McCann vanished. So there's a desperate attempt to keep the Madeleine McCann story going. Uh, they said that he was on the Algarve, Algarve when he vanished. Uh, Kate and Jerry McCann still believe their daughter is alive. Well, I suppose they have to. They can't. They're not going to get any closure, are they, on something like that? So that that's why they would always believe that there is always that possibility that there could be some hope. I think it's. I think it's fading by the year. I'm afraid. I think it's fading by the year. I don't think if Madeleine McCann walked into a resort now, anybody would have the faintest idea. We've had various people wasting the police time, wasting the court's time, of saying, "Oh, I definitely saw her. She was with us." And when this man saw us looking, he quickly hurried her away, as if if anybody's actually got her, they're going to be walking around a holiday village with her. No, they're not. Uh, Kate and Wills's aide. Uh, this is the new royal nanny, unfortunately. It doesn't take long for them to find things out in the papers, and the Mirror have uh, got an exclusive here with Ben Rossington. It te- seems the reputation of Maria Teresa Turian Borallo, uh, she's on a town hall's name and shame list in her homeland, Spain, for failing to pay the equivalent of council tax. So she was threatened with a visit from debt collectors, unless she paid the money she owed, as well as a fine and interest. The revelation will cause embarrassment to William and Kate because uh, she started working a few weeks ago after an intensive interview process. I mean, do you know, when they do the... I mean, if the paper can find something out about her, why could not the royal family? They've got enough people working, enough sycophants who can sit down there and find something out and, and investigate. I mean, you know, if she'd been a convicted murderer, would they have overlooked that bit as well? Would they have gone, well, never found that. I mean, she's actually on a list. Maria Theresa might like to see this public debtors list uh, removed from the public arena, but, I mean, it's literally... Available on the click of a mouse. The click of a mouse, you can find it. Officials in the city said they couldn't um, comment on individual cases. After several attempts to get her to pay the property tax, it's called IBI. So she went on the official provincial gazette because she uh, she didn't pay. I mean, whether she's paid now, but all, all you get from Kensington Palace, they said, we have no comment to make. I mean, you know, if she'd been a convicted murderer or something like that, would they have a comment to make there, or would they go, oh, we're looking at something else? They never admit their mistakes, do they? They never actually admit that they might have actually cocked up and got something really wrong. 
She's somebody who has... It's not the most honest person. Not necessarily the most honest person you would want around the royal child. Only guessing, of course. Only guessing. But they should check these things. I don't understand how they manage it. It's like doctors in hospitals. We've had more cases that I've mentioned on the programme of people working as doctors or nurses with no qualifications at all. And nobody susses them out. And you think... How can you not do that? It's like they're, they're talking in the papers today about trying to find out who's a liar. And you know when you're a child, you can, you can lie for the country. You're very, very good at lying for the country. You know, your mum said, did you do that? No. Did you do that? No, I never did that. Did you? You touched that. I never touched it. Well, who did? I don't know. Did you? No. And so it goes on. And then you know that you did it. But once you've started bluffing it out, you have to keep going, I'm afraid. And so they say that when you... When you actually sort of are confronted by a lie, you know they're lying. You can tell. They give little things away. You know, the colour of their neck might change or, you know, their ear waggles. or so. It could be something. There's always something. Somebody says to you, uh, did you do it? No. You did that on purpose. I didn't. Did you steal that? I didn't. You took that, didn't you? I saw you take that. No, you didn't. Where is it? Show me your pockets. No. Where is it? I don't know. Because we learn to tell lies as children. And we're very good at it. By the time we get to adults, some of us are fairly accomplished. You know, I tell people I'm six foot tall and very slim. You know, admittedly, it doesn't sound that believable because, unfortunately, nowadays we've got computers. You only have to Google me to see that, uh, that I don't look that good. Even the, even the, oh, <clears throat> I've, I've got a photograph of me on a, a pass for, for, the, for the buses and things like that. And what I've done, I've lifted the LBC photo, which was taken a few years ago now because I think it looks quite good. Who wants to see a picture of an old person staring out at them? So I picked a picture that made me look quite good. So that's the that's the way it works. LBC News Time. It's six fifteen. And it's going to be on lbc.co.uk and you can find out more this morning with Nick and the team after seven o'clock because ahead of this historic debate there'll be special reports from Paris and across the UK plus the biggest names in politics and business telling Nick exactly what both leaders need to do to come out on top. Adam Bolton, political editor. Uh, from Sky News, will be live in the studio looking through the papers for today. Kelvin McKenzie will be here, Quentin Letts will be here. Uh, they'll be talking to uh, all sorts of people from the NUT, uh, going over to Paris. We've got uh, more on the teachers' strike as well at the moment. Uh, plus uh, Min Campbell and uh, Andrew Pierce as well, plus a host of other people. I've never known so many people be on a breakfast show. That's a cast list of thousands today. All with Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at seven. 20 minutes past six is the time. You've got ten minutes or nine minutes, really. I want to err on the side of caution to get your entries in for the gadget competition for today. It's the Asus VivoBook X200 touchscreen laptop. And the question is this, because yesterday it was Peter Kennard from Kent, who's a very happy bunny. He got himself the Android tablet. So today... It's the Asus VivoBook X200 touchscreen laptop. You need to tell me the answer to this question. On which reality show did Jade Goody first appear? On which reality show did Jade Goody first appear? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Hope it's your name I read out on the programme tomorrow. Alison Phillips, writing in the Mirror Today, uh, talks about Kelly Brook gushing that she's excited to share the rest of her life with the most wonderful man I've ever met. Bearing in mind, I've been going out for a matter of weeks, count them on one hand. And she says, for somebody who appears to be endlessly teetering in and out of nightclubs and bars, she really needs to get out more. Mind you, with a back catalogue that includes Danny Cipriani and Tom Evans, maybe Tornado is the one. 
I don't think the omens are good, though. They've already split once, despite dating for just 11 weeks. He wears tighter tops than she does. He's got tattoos all the way up his neck. It's a class act, really. And uh, bizarrely, snappers have stumbled on almost all of their public outings. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Where is Kelly Brook? Oh, she's going to be down here today. And so they go out. Anyway, um, Kelly has spoken of her biggest disappointment in life being that she's not yet settled with children. Let's hope that doesn't soon become her second biggest disappointment in life, writes Alison Phillips. And a lot of the columnists today, including Jane Moore, have talked about uh, Tarby. Uh, you know, people being held on endless bail. It just seems ridiculous. And, and also people really missing it. For one of the people, I think, in Tarbuck, saying that uh, he was at Top of the Pops in 1963 and this happened. And Jane Moore said, you know, anybody could have checked this and seen that Top of the Pops wasn't running in 1963. It didn't come along until 1964. It's all these anomalies, you know, they just don't check their facts. I mean, you know, a survey last year showed three and a half thousand people have been on bail for more than six months, mainly because I suppose the paperwork is there. But some of these things are quite simple to sort out. And they really should have done. I mean, there is an old legal saying, justice delayed is justice denied. The case of Jimmy Tarbuck, like thousands of others across Britain today, shows quite clearly justice is being denied. Alison Phillips writing in the, in the Mirror 4 today. Uh, more on uh, Michael Schumacher's condition. Made worse, they say, by serious lapses of judgment in his care. So says a former leading doctor. Uh, also, you've lost your grip on corruption. This story is, is making all the papers today. This is Britain's top cop. And this is the Met Chief, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, who's been on LBC many, many times with Nick in the morning. Uh, they say here he's, uh, he's lost his grip on corruption. MPs have called for an inquiry. They grilled him the other day over the shredding of files of corrupt officers probing Stephen Lawrence's murder. Keith Vaz says, normally I feel reassured that there's a grip on a situation. I don't feel there is that grip at the moment. Keith Vaz also pops up in the papers. I believe Doreen Lawrence herself has been targeted by Twitter trolls. So I'm delighted to report that the government are thinking of changing anybody who abuses people uh, in, a, in a sexual way or in a racial way faces up to two years in prison. Let's start putting them in prison. It's so much easier. There are too many internet trolls out there and uh, once you find them, they squeal like stuck pigs when they get hauled into court. You know, what you have to do is you have to get them in there, get them sentenced, get them taken out of public life completely. It's so much easier. Jane Moore's column is also talking about Kylie Minogue, apparently recently staging a robust defence of Miley Cyrus's propensity to wear very little in her music videos. I think it's a way of actually getting some sort of attention. I know that the boys around here are quite, quite partial to watching an old Kylie Minogue video you know, where she wears as little as possible. I do believe she's the most photographed bottom in Madame Two Swords. There is Kylie Minogue in there, and David Beckham is fairly popular too. But uh, there, are, there are saucy shenanigans. Uh, her album was beaten to the number one spot, but uh, she's appeared at GAY. She's appearing on The Voice. She's obviously coming off The Voice to go touring next year. And it goes to show, says Jane Moore, ultimately, if the music album is good enough, it'll sell regardless of what promotional hoops you jump through. But it has to be that when you, when you consider that poor Kylie Minogue is about the size of a Barbie doll, you don't, you don't realise you actually meet her, that she is actually quite tiny, very, very tiny. Proportionately, she's tinier than most people. She's about the size of the borrowers, I'm afraid. It has been revealed that Justin Bieber shells out £5,000 a month on rent for his mother's mansion which may explain why she seems reluctant to dish out the parental discipline and guidance this troubled young lad clearly needs. It is true, actually. And as he clutched a cheque for £108 million, 
with just his name on it. Lottery winner Neil Trotter made it very clear he had no intention whatsoever of marrying long-time girlfriend Nicky Ottaway, who was standing by his side. Was it me, says Jane, or did she look slightly nervous? I said that on the programme. She was sitting there, and he was going, any plans to get married? No, I don't think so. And she's thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be replaced. I'm going to be replaced. And Bake Off star Paul Hollywood pictured in a set of tight-fitting motorcycle leathers this week, having treated himself and his wife Alexandra, here and afterwards known as the doormat, to a sporty new set of wheels. Phew! Writes Jane Moore. That's the kind of midlife crisis that we all want, isn't it, ladies? Far better than the early cliché that prompted his brief affair with his US co-presenter, Marcella Valladolid. Yes, but of course he's a very shy person, isn't he, Paul Hollywood? Not. Anyway, just about it for this morning. Uh, You've got about a minute and a half to get your entries in for the competition. We will have a free podcast up for you. I'm still trying to find out more because I'm not too familiar with baby showers. Whilst the uh, attention-seeking for his sisters in the only way is Essex, or the only way is just their tiny minds, are having a baby shower. She's celebrating her big day. Uh, the fact she's not married, of course, uh, is no barrier nowadays to the, the endless posturing from the Fahir sisters. Uh, just try and come up with something interesting, get yourself pregnant, and then don't worry about the rest of it. So they attend a baby shower where they all sit down and presumably have a drink and wet the baby's head, but they haven't actually had the baby yet. I don't quite get how it all works. Uh, I will be back again from tomorrow morning at four o'clock. If you missed any of this show today, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like through our new podcast service. You can go to lbc.co.uk and you should leave it on lbc.co.uk for the big debate later on. You can download the app as well. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from seven with breakfast previewing that big LBC debate. Seven o'clock tonight. Make sure you're there. Next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.